Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Welcome to the Sports Cage. The cage is out of our regular confines at the corner of 12th and Rose. We are once again southeast corner of the concourse at the Brand Center getting set for the St. Patrick's Day clash between your Regina Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. Now in terms of the St. Patrick's Day angle, St. Patrick's Day t-shirts are being sold inside the Pats team store when you show up here today for the game. So you can get that. The Pats playing the second of four contests in five nights as well as the first of three and three this weekend. They've got... uh, the game tomorrow in Moose Jaw and Sunday sold out Saskatoon. Last time they've had a sellout in Saskatoon, I think, was the Memorial Cup when they hosted a few years back. So it's the Bedard factor, no doubt about it. This game is sold out tonight. You can uh, listen to it on 620 CKRM. We also have the coverage on Access Communications. I'll be broadcasting that game, but uh, you might want to mute it and pay attention to Dante DeCarrier right here on 620 CKRM. Now the Pats can clinch a playoff berth for the first time since the 2017-2018 season if either of the scenarios play out here. Regina wins tonight against Moose John Swift Current loses at Red Deer, or Regina gets a point in overtime with a loss or a shootout loss here tonight, and Swift Current has a regulation loss at Red Deer. In their last game, the Pats got a pretty good... Um, performance from Tanner Howe. He's now got 33 goals in the season, scoring twice, including a shorthanded effort. Connor Bedard had 2-2. Two and two. Riley Janelle had a goal and a helper. So the Pats coming off a 6-3 win over Brandon. The Warriors have a three-game win streak after a 7-3 win at Moose Jaw. When we're looking at some of the other game notes here, uh, the Pats are 14-8-2 over the last 24 since January 8th when Connor Bedard returned from the World Juniors. Um, Elsewhere, Bedard, of course, has 129 points, 63 goals, 66 helpers. I already mentioned his running mate, Tanner Howe, has 33. And uh, John Paddock comes in here with 207 wins. Picked up win 207 Wednesday in that game against Brandon. Paddock is now the second all-time winningest coach in franchise history. He passed Murray Armstrong with 207. Um, And so that's a great accomplishment for John Paddock. So that's what's going on here at the Brand Center. We'll touch on that a little more as we roll along. March Madness continuing. Did not see any upsets as of yet. Yesterday we had a number two knockoff, or check that, a number uh, 15 knockoff, a number two. That was Princeton over Arizona, and we saw a number three in Furman knockoff, a number, check that, a number 14 Furman knockoff, a number three in Virginia. Right now, number 11 ranked NC State over Creighton 35-30 in the second half. They just got underway. Um, also, uh, we've got number 11 Pittsburgh leading Iowa State. Number 6 Iowa State Cyclones 36-25. They're just underway in the second as well. 
NHL, light light uh, night of action, four games. The big one uh, for Canadian teams is uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs up against the Carolina Hurricanes. You can always weigh in on this show at 936-6262. That's uh, powered by the uh, Capital Auto Mall, so you can um, we thank them for their sponsorship. You can text us there. Uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Before 4 o'clock, we'll hear finally from Jeff Farrell. We've been planning to talk to him for a couple of days, but we will catch up with him in Arizona. We'll also catch up with John Ryan in Arizona, talk some uh, World Baseball Classic stuff and some uh, Aaron Rodgers stuff. Of course, he was briefly a teammate with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. This is a sports show, uh, and we can tie in sports with life. Evan Braze, the former public address announcer for the Rough Riders, longtime radio announcer, and has been our police chief for a number of years. I'm going to talk to him about uh, you know the goings-on in Edmonton yesterday with the uh, untimely death of those two young constables. John Hines, one of the behind-the-scenes guys going into the... Um, Canadian Football Hall of Fame longtime TSN producer will join us before 4.30. We'll also catch up with Luke Molitor today and Rough Rider President Craig Reynolds. And you also have a chance to win money. It's the Chase the Ace Lottery uh, with the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. But when we come back on the other side, we're going to catch up with the head coach of the uh, North Battleford North Stars, the uh, juggernaut team in the SJHL, number one team. They'll uh, take on number eight Weyburn tonight, game one of their best of seven series up in the Battlefords. And uh, we catch up, up uh, catch up with him on the Western Pizza Hotline when we come back. The show is brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for 70 years. This is the Sports Cage in the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Joe's coming to you live from the Brand Center, getting set for the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors on this St. Patrick's Day. It's also the start of the SJHL playoffs. We're talking with the head coach of the Battleford Stars, Braden Clamosco. Braden, how are you today? Good, good, good. And yourself? Good. Uh, I'm doing well. Do you look good in green? Uh, I, I did back in the day, yes. When I was a Bronco, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, I guess, eh? Uh, yeah. All right, boy, you're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, hopefully with a win. Last night, check this out. Last night, I went and saw that movie Creed Three. It's a pretty good sports movie. I like it. Your favorite sports movie of all time is? Ooh, favorite sports movie. Let's two of them. I like um, Happy Gilmore. Remember the Titans. <laughs> quite a diverse, quite uh, polar opposite ends of the spectrum, totally. right? Right? Yes. right? And yeah, I'll yeah. see you in the parking lot. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Do you need to? Yeah, yeah. Do you need to come up with one of those "Remember the Titans" speeches for this series against Weyburn? You know what? I don't think so. I think I think it is important that um, it is a new season, a new uh, new opportunity for both teams, and. We're going to have to be ready. You know, I think overall that's that's the most exciting part is we haven't had this kind of pressure, you know, 
all you know the second half of the season. Looking forward to seeing how we respond. Yeah, so uh, I've often talked about that. Is it better to be uh, you know home and cooled away, as it were, being that good in the regular season that you know you got a playoff spot, you know you got first, or is it better to be like our Regina Pats here tonight, scraping and clawing for the last two, three, four weeks with uh, big uh, crowds trying to get into the playoffs so you're ready to hit the ground running? Uh, obviously, you can't change your path. You had a great year. Any concern on your behalf about that, though, trying to flip a switch and get ready to uh, play playoff hockey? 100%. You know, there is definitely, uh, you know, a little bit of a concern, but that's the cool part about it is ask me in a couple months if uh, if you liked it, my, the path that I had or, you know, a path maybe what the Pats would have to go through to uh, to make a good run. It'll uh, it'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. So your uh, health of your team's pretty good, though. That probably affords it you it, it affords you some uh, chances to rest anybody if you had to, right? Totally. Yeah. No, it was uh, we were we were pretty healthy throughout the whole year, and that it, it's a testament to why we we were where we were in the standings for sure. And they they always say that about any sport, right? The team that uh, you got to be talented, but you got to be the healthiest too. And that's you know that's something you've probably tracked all year. Who this is going pretty good for us? It is. Yeah, it's almost scary because it was almost going too good. Like you're waiting for that time where guys go down, you know, in bunches. So hopefully that's not the case anytime soon. Are you a superstitious guy? Do you got to wear a certain tie, a certain suit, something yeah, like that? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty superstitious. So we don't want to get into all my superstitions. So. There, there's lots of them. Well, give me one. Do you take the same path to the rink? Do you have to be there at the same time? Do you have to eat the same thing? Um, yeah, same path to the rink. Always put on my left shoe first. Um, it's actually a superstition that I have with my mom. My, it's my mom's birthday today, and um, she she doesn't come to any playoff games. So she she feels like she's a bad luck, and she, she tries to stay away whenever she can. I could I could see a dad being bad luck, but not a mom. A mom can't yeah, be bad luck, she, right? She, you know what? And she likes being at home where she can just listen and watch at home. That's the way to do it. It's it streams online. It's on the radio. Braden Clamasco here, the great coach of the uh, Battleford Stars, uh, the juggernaut team all year long. You think it's a good thing that your team? Uh, I talked to the Weyburn coach and GM Cody Mapes. He got great respect for you, but I talked to him and he said, "Hey, uh, we lost to those guys two to one, so we have a belief. Is that good for your team too? Hey, we only beat those guys two to one." Yeah, you know what, it, it, it probably is. You know, I think overall, knowing that, hey, if we take them lightly, they, they're they going to be coming, you know, and when we know that, that they'll have a chance to win hockey games. So, you know what, you, you throw whatever, you know, whatever happened in the regular season out the window, it's 0-0, and, and that's the most exciting part. Is the town jumping? It is, yeah. There's excitement here for sure. And, you know what, it, yeah, it's kind of the first time it's been kind of jumping since – you know, COVID, you could say, you know, last year we were just getting out of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, restrictions and everything. But this year it seems a little bit different, which is exciting. Okay, so one question about them, one question about you. In order to uh, in order to contain the Red Wings, what do you got to do? I'll just play our game. You know, I, I think overall I, I, I don't. I don't really stress too much on what other teams do. I, I worry about ourselves. We've got to worry about us, and we do that, we'll be okay. So what do you mean by that, then? What What's your game for people that don't watch or listen to, uh, to Battleford Stars hockey? Dictate the pace. You know, we want to play, you know, fast, physical style of hockey. And when we play north-south hockey where we're moving pucks up quick and playing fast, people have a rough time keeping up with us. All right, man. Well, uh, congratulations on a great season. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys can do in the playoffs. And happy birthday to your mom. What's her name? Uh, Shelly. 
Happy birthday, Shelly, and uh, you, you got yourself a good son here and uh, a superstitious son. I wonder if it was her fault you're superstitious. Sounds like kind of a, a kind of a bit it was, but uh, happy birthday to her. Take care, my friend. Awesome. Thank, thank you. Take care. And thanks to Braden Clamasco, his uh, North Battleford North Stars, the number one team all throughout the year in the SJHL, taking on my friend Cody Mapes, my other friend Kevin Saworski. They're coaching the Weyburn Red Wings. Should be an interesting uh Interesting series. Weyburn did last time they play North Battleford uh, come up with a 2-1 loss. And they lost another game like 7-1, but it was a lot closer than that 7-1 score would indicate. You have to say the Battlefords wins that series, but hopefully Weyburn puts up a good fight. And, hey, that's why you play the games. 80% of people say on this St. Patrick's Day they plan to wear green. I uh, am doing the TV game on Access Communications today, and I did bring myself a uh, shamrock tie. got a nice uh, kind of lime green, dark green tie. But uh, truth be told, uh, I'm a very talented man, but I don't know how to tie a tie. I do not know how to tie a tie. In fact, when I get people to tie a tie for me, I think Luke Molitor tied one for me on the road, and uh, it's hanging in my closet for like the last six months, nicely tied so I can use it again. That's how I do it. I know it's pathetic, but um, I didn't have a green one that was tied, so I'm bringing this tie. I'm draping it around my neck during the TV broadcast like Brian Burke does, you know, when he when he's wears where those stupid interviews and he just wraps it around his neck untied. That's what I'm going to do on Access, just to show that I am honoring St. Patrick's Day, but I'm, I'm not wearing the tie. Don't like wearing a tie kind of feel constricted um feels like i'm not really myself because i'm not much of a tie guy and uh but i am wearing it around my neck today just for the intro of the broadcast here are some other fascinating facts about the actual saint patrick uh even though he was irish he thought u2 is overrated too um he never wore green so he had an excuse to pinch himself Another top fascinating fact about the actual St. Patrick, his favorite NFL team, the Colts. You thought I'd say the Saints, didn't you? <laughs> uh, according to legend, St. Patrick chased the snakes out of Ireland and into the House of Commons in Ottawa. <laughs> uh, that's for you, Trudeau. Uh, his final words on his deathbed were, they found me lucky charms, I guess. And the uh, top fascinating fact about actual St. Patrick, uh, he's been dead for centuries, but he still looks better than Joe Biden. Crazy. Um, yeah, so uh, how are you celebrating St. Patrick's Day? And here's, a t- here's the text question for you at 936-6262. Can you tie a tie? Can you tie a tie? I, I cannot tie a tie. I can change a car tire. I could change my oil if I had to while well, in older cars, like probably mid-90s. Uh, I wouldn't try now, but I could uh, change my my um, oil in my car, but I can't tie a tie. Um, sp- uh, speaking of St. Patrick's Day, these are common traditions that Irish people may or may not agree to. Wearing green, the whole wear green or risk getting pinched thing likely began in North America, and going beyond that, St. Patrick himself was originally associated with the color blue, not the color green. Interesting. Drinking beer, especially green beer. Drinking in bars and pubs on St. Patrick's Day wasn't even allowed in Ireland 
until the 1970s. So think about that. It's not as traditional as you think. And green beer is believed to have been invented not over in Ireland like Dublin, in New York City in the early 1900s. Another uh, St. Patrick's Day tradition, Irish or not, corned beef and cabbage. Again, that's a North American thing. In Ireland, it's more common to eat lamb, ham, or bacon instead of corned beef. Crazy. And uh, St. Patrick himself, while it's true St. Patrick is the primary patron saint of Ireland, he was actually British, so there you go. Basically, it's just a made-up holiday to drink. That's what it is, and you do it You do it every, every year. My buddy Dave De La Forest, who's a big uh, rider and pad fan, you know him. Uh, ripping around in his great wheelchair. He's uh, dressed in green today. Lime green. Seattle Seahawks lime green. So uh, he sits over in Section 104 if you want to come over and say hi to him today. Getting set for the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. Dave, give me a go, Pats. Go. Louder. Go. 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 Yeah, that's right. Good job, Dave. Now, um, (laughs) I saw this story. Uh, Every now and then you hear about someone eating dog food. Uh, maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was a stunt. Maybe it's more a serious survival thing, but this is just dumb. Apparently, there's a trend of gym bros on social media eating dog food just for the high levels of protein. One of them is a fitness influencer named uh, Henry Clarice. He tried a bowl of kibbles and bits oven-roasted beef with spring vegetable and apple flavors. He couldn't handle it, spit some of it out. He told his followers, it's not worth it. He later said it tasted extremely dry. I needed so much water after eating it, it tasted like pieces of dirt. But apparently people are doing that to get their protein. I had a buddy in college, no no kidding, because we were cheap college students. We didn't have money. We either eat mac and cheese or itchy band noodles. We were driving home from Calgary to Regina, hitched a ride with him, and he was hungry, and I'd packed myself a couple of sandwiches, and Thomas reaches underneath his truck seat while he's driving, and he pulls out a milk bone and starts eating milk bone with his big gulp. Dog milk bone. That's right. That's right. Right then and there, we both knew that maybe broadcasting probably wasn't going to be lucrative, as it were. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so eating dog food, uh, you, it might sound outlandish, but uh, uh, not as outlandish as you think. Uh, coming up here a little later on in the show, in fact, uh, after the 3.30 news, we got the uh, Blue Jays report, we got a sports ticker, we're going to hear from Jeff Fairholm, the former rider great, and our police chief, Evan Bray. I was with him at a rock, paper, scissors event at St. Bernadette, which was kind of neat, but we're also going to talk about that terrible, terrible thing, the untimely death of those two uh, Edmonton constables being shot yesterday and killed when attending to a domestic dispute. We just want to talk some, um, you know, some serious stuff with the uh, police chief, and uh, he has a couple of uh, former Edmonton uh, police officers on the Regina Police Force, so it kind of hit close to home. You can uh, weigh in, anything you want to talk about. Can you tie a tie? Give me some tips. I even tried YouTube. 936-6262, our text line, powered by the Capital Auto Mall. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline and the show live from the Brandt Center ahead of the sold-out Pats and Moose Jaw Warriors game is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for 65 years. This is the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Time now for your sports ticker. Uh, it- 
Pats here taking on the Moose Jaw Warriors. It's a 7 o'clock face-off on St. Patrick's Day. Our pregame show on 620 CKRM begins at 635 with Dante DeCaria right here from where I'm sitting, Southeast Concourse by the old Regina Pat store. In the Pat store, they're selling St. Patrick's Day t-shirts, so keep that in mind if you're coming in. Regina Pat's themed St. Patrick's Day t-shirts. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I had brought this up a couple of days ago, getting more comments about this, uh, both on Twitter and my personal messages, um, uh, about the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League looking at banning fighting next year. And people are asking me, I had a couple of buddies call me today, what do you think about this? I, I've been saying this. No more fighting in hockey. It's stupid. Call the rules. You know, Jordan Bennington of the Blues punched that Minnesota Wild player Hartman after he scored on Bennington. Bennington punched him, got that two-game suspension. He thought it was a little extreme. No, it's not. You get a two-game suspension because it's the third time you did that this year. Uh, next time, five games. Next time, ten games. That's how you control this stuff. Never mind this whole BS, oh, let them police themselves on the ice. No. That's ridiculous. With what we know about concussions and everything now, you do not have fighting anymore. That's it. It's done. It's over. It's finished. Let it go already, especially in junior hockey. What do you think? Nine three six sixty two sixty two. You can weigh in. Hey, a couple of birthdays I want to give a shout out to. Uh, my buddy um, Patrick Mengel. Uh, who uh, works now over with uh, Sean Semple. Uh, of course, uh, he's a big-time sports guy. It's his birthday today. And our old buddy Mike McCullough, it's his birthday today, too. Gave him a phone call. He was going to go maybe uh, skiing with his younger son, but he was a little bit uh, cold. He thought it was too cold on March 17th, so he's getting a little uh, weak in his older age. But happy birthday to Mike McCullough. I'd send him a text, but he doesn't take any texts. That's your sports ticker. It's one of the teams our whole country rallies around. The chase for the championship is on. Time for today's Blue Jays reports on the Sports Cage. Time now for the Toronto Blue Jays report. And on a weekly basis, we're joined by the radio voice of the team, Ben Wagner. He says the teams look pretty solid in training camp. All systems go for the Blue Jays at this point, right? I got a little bit of shot in the arm with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., on the eve of his birthday, getting back in the lineup and quelling a lot of concern whether or not, you know, that right knee inflammation would develop into something more and really linger through what is now the draining days of camp. He missed 11 games, which is a pretty substantial amount of time. That's about a third of the regular season or the third of the spring training schedule. And once you get into these final two weeks of, of spring training, you want all systems go with guys getting the necessary at-bats and reps and all that. Uh, and Vladdy certainly is the most important person in that lineup. So to have him back today and, and look like he's going to go full throttle starting the weekend is a really good sign. Might, might seem like a weird question. I've never been to spring training, so it's not weird for me, but uh, you, you're answering it. Uh, how do you, From your perspective, how do you know if spring training has gone well for the team? Like, through your eyes watching it, is it is it pretty well what you thought it would be? Is this, like you said, all systems go, things pointing in the right direction? Well, for the Blue Jays, you can look at it in a number of different ways and look at it in sectors of life, you know, and, and what the expectations are. What are the expectations for the Blue Jays this year? One, they had an aggressive offseason. So did they get the pieces they wanted? Did those pieces arrive to camp? Are they healthy? Are they in the best position to jump into the regular season the way you thought they, they should? And 
overall, and maybe maybe the one exception is Mitch White, who the Blue Jays would probably like to be somebody as a long man in the bullpen. Uh, he had a shoulder impingement towards the tail end of January that shut down his throwing program, so he was late in his ramp up. You know, there's a little bit of a question mark whether or not he's, he's going to be ready for opening day. Outside that, uh, the number one concern for every organization getting through spring training is health. Are you taking the best players that you have on your roster north? Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Burgess making and throwing and completing to Fairholm at the 20. Down close to the 10-yard line. All right, welcome back to the show, and we're joined by former rider great Jeff Fairholm, who's spending a month in Arizona. Is this a regular thing? We try to make it regular. We don't own anything, but uh, Airbnb is a wonderful thing. <laughs> isn't isn't it a great thing? And I, I tell you what, as I as I get older, I'm like, yeah, I could dig living in the uh, warmer climates. Before, I was like, ah, what's everybody bitching about? I can shovel. It's no big deal. Now I'm like, nah, I'm okay with being away for a while. I think I've got a few years on you, so it's worse in my mind, I guess. <laughs> we're, we're not that far apart. Uh, Jeff, uh, your thoughts uh, first off on what the Riders did at quarterback here in the offseason? Quarterback. Well, I think that, you know, once – I don't think they ever had a chance at Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, so – and I would have put him as the number one free agent quarterback. Um, and then I had number two, the guy they got. So – I think they did a great job in, in getting the one guy that really was available. And I think, you know, I think he's going to bring some stability to that position. Um, you know, I think, I believe he's got a stronger arm. Time will tell. I didn't watch him that much when he was in Montreal, but you know, time will tell. I hopefully he's got a stronger arm and he can get the ball downfield with a little bit more zip. What do you think of the receiving situation? No Shaq, no Duke, <laughs> but I would suggest that's almost addition by subtraction. Yeah, you know, I agree. I really had trouble with the, you know, it was hard last year because the old line was was really so bad. We had a quarterback with happy feet, and it's hard to judge the receivers based on that. Um, but I, I don't feel we had anybody that could really get deep. Um, we were getting open. I didn't really like the offense with all of the short passes. And, you know, we had some people who could run the ball, but one of those guys is back, right? Uh, Schaefer Baker's back who, who gets the yards after catch. And, but I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy that we're switching everything over. Um, on paper, I think the receiving core looks good. Um, but, you know, I think, I think I tweeted something, you know, all these, having all these great players and winning free agency is a good thing. Mm but they need to come together as a team and you know the offensive line i think has been fixed the the receivers i think we have a guy or two who can get downfield now uh time will tell um and i really like the um the relationship uh, building between harris and a couple of his re- a couple of his receivers yeah for sure uh, i i'm looking for an interesting signing that came late was Darrell walker i'm interested to see what that veteran could do he's worked with trevor harris before yeah, he has. Um, you know, I know I can tell you from experience that when you get into your eighth and ninth year, your production and your your speed and everything starts to go down. Uh, your production obviously goes down, but hopefully he's got a year or two left in him. Um, I think, you know, I wasn't crazy about what he said about his quarterbacks in Edmonton. I wouldn't have come out and said that, but, uh, you know, let's call him an honest guy. 
and uh, hopefully he's got someone better in Saskatchewan and get him the ball. Well, I think the situation in Edmonton, because he said it when he was on my show, I think what he meant was, (laughs) I think what he meant was, uh, it wasn't necessarily a shot at the quarterbacks. It kind of came across that way in a tweet. I think what he meant was, was, you know, I I said you got 878 yards receiving almost a thousand with a Rolodex of quarterbacks. And that's what he meant. There wasn't really any consistency at quarterback in terms of one guy all year. Well, thanks for, thanks for clearing that up for me because I was a little concerned about that. Yeah. But, but you could talk to that. What's it like? You know, you're right. You get a little older, a little longer in the tooth. You're not as fast. But when you're working with the guy you're used to working with, somehow the, that can make up for it, I think, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, yeah. Cause, and especially a quarterback who gets rid of the ball as fast as Harris does. I think, um, you know, because your, your, separations, your separation from the defensive back sort of diminishes as you get older and you start losing some speed and some quickness. So hopefully the timing and the, and the, the zip on the ball will make up for that, that lack of separation a little bit. Can you bring too many guys in at once to a locker room in free agency? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, I've never been part of that. Uh, really, I don't think in my in my mm-hmm. career, um, you like to keep some stability on off on, you know on either side of the ball. And I think there's a lot of guys, and that's why I tweeted the way I did. There's a lot of guys we just brought into the locker room, especially on offense. And I'm concerned. You know, I am concerned about about coming together as a team instead of you know having a bunch of great guys. You know, really good athletes who are great players on other teams. They need to be a team, and they need to come together very quickly in training camp and I'm looking forward I'm actually going to be at training camp some of the time and I'm looking forward to see how they how they come together and how they work together and, and you know see what kind of fights are on the field and things like that which there always are but that doesn't matter but it's it's one of those things that they have to come together very quickly because I don't think this team can go zero and four. No, uh, they've got a, a tough first seven games. That, you know, uh, heavy is the crowd when you are the team that's kind of the lifeblood of the CFL. Riders got to go back and play that Halifax game again, and the week before that, the Saturday before they play that Saturday game, they're in BC against the Lions, so they got to go cross country. So you're right, that first game in Edmonton, the guaranteed win game, like they got to get off to a good start here. They they really do. Uh, it's a little early to be talking about the games yet, I think. But but you're right. I mean, you know, Edmonton's thrown out a guaranteed win night. That always gives a lot of fodder in, in the opposing team's locker room. And you know, they're going to have to really put that stuff up on the bulletin boards in the locker room and go in there with a lot of fire. They need a win there. And then, like you said, you know, playing you know long distance travel is always hard on teams. And but they've got to come out firing, and they're going to they're going to have a lot of work to do. Hopefully, they're working out together. A lot of them are working out together here in the off season, and then training camp will be a it'll be a telltale story. And I, hopefully, they play a lot in, in preseason. Yeah, I, they didn't really. To me, that was the one thing I pointed out with Luke last year. I didn't feel like they had a real sense of urgency at training camp, and it, it was it, it was led by their quarterback. Like Cody knew he was going to be the starter. I didn't see the zip on the ball. I didn't see that pizzazz in the past. So I'm interested to see with the new. Uh, quarterback like we talked about and an OC with kind of a chip on his shoulder when everybody perceives that he's kind of their last choice. You know, that's true. Uh, you know, he, he, it was that perception is, is a lot of things in the media and that's really all I get to, to read and see and, and things like that. But yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned the, the offensive coordinator. There's a lot that needs to be done and there's a lot of changing that needs, that is going to happen and needs to happen because you cannot stand pat with what we had last year. So they had to change it. So that's good. 
But like I said, normally, you know, you play a quarter, the, the veterans will play a quarter in that first game, and then the second game they might play a half. I would suggest they play a half and then play three quarters of the game in the second one. They need to work together fast. Hey, I'm smiling here because we're talking about coaches and all this stuff. And, you know, there's been some talk in the, the recent uh, last couple of years about the coaching size and the coaching cap. When you were playing, they had like five or six coaches. That was it. Oh, I know. We had hardly anybody. And it, it's just kind of funny. You know, I, I went to the University of Arizona and I was over at uh, – I was over visiting them the other day and you know they have they have more DB coaches than I think we had in our entire staff. I mean it's yeah. just it's just ridiculous the amount of people that they have coaching now. I, you know it's a real it's a real challenge and it's amazing to me how they can actually all be on the same page. It's you know it's it's, it's quite an organization. Two other teams I want to quickly talk about. Winnipeg seem to retain all their guys. Uh, they're walking a fine line with keeping culture intact but maybe getting old too. Well, that's right, and they're going to try to keep doing. And they, you know, they they've always seemed to be really good at bringing in that one or two player, um, those one or two players that really up them, right? Like, look at Schoen. They brought this kid in last year and mm-hmm. he set the league on fire. So they always seem to find those one or two guys that that fit in really well with that culture. Uh, but you mentioned that it might be it might be uh, there might be some breaks there between the uh, the general manager and the uh, and the head coach. So who knows? You know, hopefully they're hopefully they're cracking a little bit because you know they are the they are the cream of the league right now. But there's a lot of other teams. There's a lot of other teams who are who are really starting to to come on fire. I mean, I think Hamilton's going to be better. I think Ottawa is going to be better. I think Toronto is going to be as good as they were last year. Uh, BC is going to be better. Edmonton for sure is going to be better. And and you can't you can't uh, you can't count out Calgary. So you know I've mentioned just about every team except Montreal and Saskatchewan. So you know, it's it's kind of going it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting first six games. And sure. I and I will tell you, Jeff, that's the other team I wanted to mention. The Argos are looking poised to be pretty good to uh, have a repeat season where they get to the Grey Cup and maybe win it. But that quarterback position is the big yeah. question mark. That you know, that's what I've been saying to myself for the last couple of weeks. Is you know, when when uh, well, when Bethel Thompson decided to go down south, and everyone's saying they're going to be as good as they were last year, I'm sitting there going, "What has Kelly done?" You know, I mean, other than what he did at the at the end of the game in the Grey Cup, granted, you know, he won the game for them, etc. But you know, what has he really done, and can he last 18 games, and and what's he really going to be like? So yes, they're going to be a good team, but. You know, the position on the field is quarterback, and is he the guy? Don't know. Time will tell. This guy will be on our pregame show when he comes back from Arizona and the season fires up again, and we'll catch up with him at training camp, too. Enjoy your time in Arizona, Jeff Fairholm. Thanks, Michael. Look forward to seeing you again. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here, live from the Brandt Center, getting set for the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. First of a home-and-home, it's St. Patrick's Day, so it could be messy on and off the ice. Wherever you are, thanks for making us part of your day, and if you're out partying tonight or whatever and having a couple, make sure you take an Uber or a cab, not a cruiser. Here's the police chief, Evan Bray, joining us. Hey, have you watched this Bedard kid live, by the way? Oh, yeah, is he not something to watch? So entertaining. Yeah, he is entertaining. He said one of his um, 
Heroes growing up was Matthew Barzell of your New York Islanders. Uh, uh, Bedard, yes. but Bedard actually went to St. Bernadette uh, just before you and I were there, and I'll get to that in a second. And uh, he lit up the gymnasium, and he said back in the day, Barzell used to come to his hockey practices, and that was the same feeling he had. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. And, you know, you talk at the, the staff, the students at St. Bernadette, it was, you know, it, it sounded like it was the loudest screams that anyone has ever heard when he walked in. It would be reminiscent of the Beatles showing yeah. up in the in the sixties, yeah. uh, stepping off of a plane, and those kids were just going crazy. That's pretty exciting. Now, uh, maybe more remarkable than his skills. Hey, listen, we both know this. You may be a little more than me. There are. How do I put this diplomatically? There are interesting people out there. Lots going on in the world, but this kid is an unbelievable hockey talent but even more so unbelievable person the way he's been able to handle all this pressure and fanfare and we're not talking 27 here bray we're talking 17 what were you doing at 17 i know i wasn't (laughs) doing what he's doing not not navigating uh life the way he is and you know i sometimes i you know i'm so excited for him and excited to see where it goes but i know it's tough for him even to go around in the city. You hear stories about him pulling up to a drive-through and his vehicle getting swarmed. And you know, I mean, this, this kid is a superstar, and and he's getting he's getting uh, lots of attention here in Regina. Hey, here's a question for you: as in your role with your police service, do you guys ever get called into that to to kind of not be bodyguards, but watch a guy like Bedar to make sure he's not getting swarmed or a rider guy because they're the rock stars in town. Yeah, you know, not a lot. I mean, every once in a while, if there's, you know, something that kind of goes over the line, threats, you know, people start obsessing over people every once in a while that happens. But, you know, I think I think lots of people close to Connor are keeping him safe and uh, ensuring that, you know, he's protected no matter where he goes. But, yeah, it's been uh, quite the start of his uh, what's going to be a long hockey career. And and imagine, you know, a Dale Durkach, who we all say, you know, a lot of people say the greatest Pat ever, although I'd make a claim for Connor Bedard. Uh, Durkach did it in an era of no social media radio paper and tv think about what this kid's doing and you know what kids have to deal with with bullying and online trolls and stuff like that not to say most of the people don't like bedard but he's got haters too it's amazing what he does with that element thrown in too yeah, I think he's a he's a really good role model, and and I just hope the people close to him, and I'm sure they are, uh, you know, keeping him supported as well. Because from the outside, it looks like this 17 year old is handling this like a master, but you always want to make sure he's got that support uh, off the ice as well, because that's an important part of staying healthy. Now you made uh, made the rounds at Saint Bernadette. We're pointing it out because it was Bedard was there because the school did a great job fundraising, so they got a pizza party, and Bedard made a surprise visit. Then I was emceeing a function where you were at there rock paper scissors as their principal put on <laughs> principal Gilles there put on a great event uh th- that was a fun day it's great to get out in the community for lighthearted stuff isn't it for sure although it's humbling to be beat by a grade <laughs> two uh in the rock paper scissors competition <laughs> <laughs> well they say hey who said it uh i think the old basketball coach al mcguire in the states used to coach marquette he said the world's run by a bunch of c-plus students so <laughs> are you were you well, a c were you a c-plus student evan well you know what by the time you get to be my age, you don't even focus on your school grades anymore. So let's leave that in the past. Hey, I tell you what, man, uh, sports is great. 
and we love sports because it's an escape, but you can't escape everything. What a terrible situation in Edmonton, and I think it really highlights what officers everywhere, men and women, do on a daily basis. They run into problems when other people are fleeing them. Yeah, yeah, that's that was uh, that's a heartbreaker, and I've been in touch with uh, with Dale McPhee, the chief up there. Yesterday morning, I gave him a call, and we had a brief chat. And um, you know, uh, there's a couple of things for us. Number one, it's pretty close to home, right? So mm-hmm. it, it hits close close to home for our officers. We actually have a number of former Edmonton officers that work on our department. Um, so you know, I think about them, uh, and and my heart goes out to them because, of course, they have friendships back in Edmonton. Edmonton and and so this hits them hard as well and and so now you know we're we're waiting for details on when they're going to have their memorial service we'll obviously send some members up but we've also offered some support to Edmonton um and, you know times like that if you're if you're hosting a, a police funeral which is going to be a large event thousands of officers from across Canada and likely the United States at that funeral um you need traffic control you need all of the things that a police service provides for a big event but when your police service members want to go to the event sometimes it's nice to have partners that'll step up and say you know what we can help you out with some traffic control so we've offered that to Edmonton as has Saskatoon and if we can send some members to help them out with kind of the logistics of running the funeral in the city so those members can actually attend the funeral I think that'll be a good thing. I often think about officers and I always have uh, the utmost regard for the service people whether it's a police service EMTs firefighters military because they do things that other people uh, maybe aren't brave enough or wired that way to do um do you have a uh, mental supports for the officers though like not only for a situation like this but just in general what they see because it's it's you know you attend to a call like this um and maybe it doesn't get this extreme but you attend to a call like this it's pretty hard as a human just to forget some of this stuff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have strong mental supports and, uh, you know, focus on mental wellness within our organization. I think that's something that policing has gotten much better at over the years. Emergency service in general has has done a better job. And uh, so we talk about it lots. And really, I think the biggest thing is about reducing the stigma of actually reaching out and asking for help or getting help. Because once we can reduce the stigma, then it's treated no different than a broken foot. You go and get your help, make sure that you're healthy, and then you get back out there and, and doing your job. So we do a lot of work focused on that for sure. Lastly, uh, Police Chief Evan Bray. Now, this had nothing to do with uh, anti-police. It was a domestic dispute gone wrong. But have you know, like, you know, there's kind of been in the last couple of years this anti-police thing, which I'm totally against. Have you noticed any ramifications of that even locally here? Well, you know, we, we have. I mean, the narrative, obviously, in the last few years has been a bit tough. And, and, and I think a lot of it is obviously hinging on the fact that we've seen some horrific events happen south of the border predominantly. And, and that affects policing everywhere. And sometimes I think, you know, the effects are it's not that we're we're facing um you know, a, a big danger or a different situation. It's just having that that out there sometimes wears on the morale of our members. And so lots of times it's it's just about getting yourself out in the community, much like St. Bernadette. We had a couple of officers there mm-hmm. with us for that event. And it reminds you that there's lots of great people in our community. There's lots of support for policing. And really, I think the, 
the health of a police service really is tied closely to the relationship that we have with the community. So continuing to focus on that is so important. This is the former public address announcer of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, <laughs> uh, radio legend, and now our police chief, Evan Bray. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. All right, Ballsy. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks to Evan Bray for joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast. Western Pizza got this text in the Capital Auto Mall text line at 936-6262. Hey, Ballsy Ryan Riffle here. Not a fan of fighting in hockey, but I would much rather see a punch in the face as opposed to a cross-check in the back or a stick in the head. Fighting should be out of contact sports, but people should be able to stand up for themselves. With everything we know about concussions, Ryan, and I respect your opinion, I don't agree with it, though. Like, yes, uh, fighting in hockey, you say, well, it's for policing. They've got rules. If a guy cross-checks you in the back, he goes to the box. If a guy hits you in the head with his hockey stick, he goes to the box. And uh, I think the referees need to do a better job stepping in. I, I don't see how the old saying is, two wrongs don't make a right. Fighting somebody, how does that make it better? You can't fight in baseball, basketball, football. Tennis, you can't fight in any of those sports, and and some of those sports are contact sports. So I don't mind the physicality, the body checks, all that stuff in hockey. Just fighting's ridiculous, especially at the junior level. When we come back, we'll talk to a Canadian Football Hall of Famer, or soon-to-be Football Hall of Famer, up next on the Sports Cage for Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for 65 years on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, welcome back to the Brand Center, second hour of the show. It's coming to you live from the Southeast Concourse here. Pat's getting set to take on the Moose Jaw Warriors. Could be messy both on and off the ice, this being St. Patrick's Day. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate it. You can always get a hold of us, 936-6262. That is uh, our text line powered by Capital Auto. And uh, you can also listen to all our guests via the Western Pizza Hotline. This guy's going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. John Hines, longtime producer for TSN. Congratulations on an honor well-deserved. Well, thanks very much, Michael. It's uh, it's a huge honor. So many people had a part in me getting to this point. So uh, too many to list, really, but uh, it really is a huge honor. I'm, it still really hasn't sunk in yet, to be honest. It's uh, it's it's not something you think about a lot or um, you know aspire to. I mean, nobody starts their career in television and says, "Okay, I can, hopefully, I end up in the Hall of Fame." But uh, it all worked out that way, so obviously I'm thrilled. Well, I mean, it's a testament to be in this industry that long. Have uh, eight, over 800 CFL telecasts, uh, 28 playoff games, 14 great cups. That's just the CFL. Uh, what does this mean to you to be in something like this, though, even though you didn't strive to do that? Well, it's, it, it's really a capper on my career. I mean, I've been so fortunate to get involved with the CFL. In my first season at TSN, uh, CFL on TSN was 1994 and been so fortunate to work with so many great people. It's just a real capper on my career. I mean, to be honest with you, all I ever wanted to do was produce the Grey Cup, right? That was my goal. Uh, got to do the first one in Montreal in 2008 and, you know, been, been able to continuously do it ever since minus the COVID year. So, um, 
you know, I'm the luckiest guy on earth right now. You were a part of a, uh, an infamous speech there, broadcasting that Huffnagel speech, right? We got him right where we want him when he was given the stamps, the old rallying cry in the big old locker room. And then do I blame you for the 2009 one, John? Um, I, I, I don't think you can blame me, but if you're talking about great career moments for me, uh, I know your listeners aren't going to like this, but the 13th man was, was the biggest moment in my broadcasting career. It was just, I've never seen the emotion swing on a pendulum like that on, on one play. It was just, it was just amazing thing to be part of. One thing that's good about you, John, is you're a fan. So you understand the game. Did you know what was happening in the moment when that flag came up? Were you ready to quickly make a decision and switch cameras and do all that type of thing? Well, it, when the flag was thrown, you, you know, we didn't really, because remember, the field goal was no good. Right. So um, when the flag was thrown, there was so much chaos. It was like, okay, what, you know, what was the penalty? Once once the penalty was announced, then you have to go back and find the looks of it that are, uh, that are going to show you the 13th man on the field. So what happened in that situation was, and it, it's so vivid in my mind, is that, the all 24 look that shows the entire field and everybody on the field Mm -hmm. was too wide for us to show that for Glenn to count the 13 guys, you couldn't, you couldn't tell. So what we had to do is we had to show it from the end zone replay where you counted 12 guys on the line and then remind the viewers that they had a returner in the end zone who was the 13th man. So, um, (laughs) it was pretty chaotic. Uh, you know, the great cups are chaos and challenging to begin with, but, that was uh, that was the most incredible moment I've ever been part of in broadcasting. There's just no how question. just how chaotic are Grey Cups, John? Well, it's it's so different because facilities, right? I mean, we have close to fifty cameras at the Grey Cup on a regular season game. We have twelve, so oh. everything facility wise is is magnified. And and the problem is we only do one game with all those facilities every year, and that's the Grey Cup. So. Uh, not not even our playoff games. They're not even close to the amount of cameras and record machines and everything that and personnel that we have there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we come into town for Grey Cup, we bring 200 people, and that's uh, that's what it takes to get that show on the air. So it, it's different from that perspective. Plus, you got to remember you're you're broadcasting to a completely different audience, right? I mean, more than half the people watching that game. That's the one game they watch all year. So. They don't have a big background story on uh, Zach Caleros because they the only time they saw him play was the year before in the Great Cup. So mm-hmm. it's it's challenging in that way uh, to realize that a lot of your viewers are watching their one game a year, so you can't be too intricate in in how you describe things or how you analyze things. So um, Great Cup's a challenge, but I always say you know uh, I get two Christmases every year: Great Cup Sunday and and Christmas Day. Great John Hines from TSN going into the media wing of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, joining us here on the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes. Um, John, though, like, okay, so you you only get one of those a year. It's not the same as, as you said, way more cameras. So <laughs> how do you get prepared for that? I mean, I know you got muscle memory, so to speak. You're used to doing it because, you know, you've done the last 14. But when you only do one a year, it's kind of like, holy cow, boom, let's go. Well, you said it yourself, though, Michael. Uh, the fact that we've now done 14 as a crew, basically, uh, it doesn't take long to slip back into the mode of, okay, we've got all these all these toys and gadgets and how are we going to use them? Because uh, 
To be honest with you, the first one, 2008, we really had no idea what we were doing. We, we had one person on our crew in the production side, and that was Chris Tupper, who had actually done a Grey Cup. Suits had done some sideline work on Grey Cup for CBC up until then, but you know, we were all great. We, we didn't know what we were walking into in the first one in Montreal in 2008. So, hmm. um, having said that by now, you know, having, having done 14 of them, it's, you know, it's, it's, you do, you're right. You fall right back into the mode of, okay, this is different, but this is what we, we've got to work with. John, who as a producer leading this broadcast is your most impor- important right-hand person? Uh, well, there's a couple of, uh, you know, maybe I'm taking your question the wrong way, but the most important person on the broadcast is the game analyst by far. Um, they make or break your show. Uh, they're, you know, it's a constant conversation between the producer and the game analyst. Uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to work with, you know, the best director in Canada and Andy Boyukas and our ISO director slash right hand of mine is Dennis Baluyat and he's the best guy who's ever done that job. And I used to do that job, you know, 30 years ago. So I know what it entails, but he's, uh, you know, there's just the crew I have around me is, is the best in the business. Glenn Suter, uh, how important, like you, you mentioned it, but how important is it to have a, a tight relationship, work in sync, kind of like a McDavid and a dry side, I'll use that uh, comparison, where the other guy's got to know where the other guy's going, what he wants. So how important is your relationship with Glenn Suter? He he was on my show yesterday, and when I listed the 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 uh, nominees uh, going in this year, your name popped for him, and of course Chris Schultz. We'll talk about Schultz in a minute, but just Suits, talk about your relationship with him. Well, Glenn is is easily the best game analyst that the CFL has ever seen. I mean, his his ability to do every aspect of his job is unmatched. And uh, the thing with Glenn, the producer and the color commentator relationship in football is it's trust, especially in Canadian football, because you're making a decision every 20 seconds where you're going, right? So it's not like hockey where if the whistle doesn't go for four minutes, you're just showing the live game, right? I mean, right. in football, every 20 seconds, you're making a decision. So um, I'm lucky enough to have Glenn and, and Dwayne Ford as another brilliant analyst. It's just that, um, you know, you're you're in a constant conversation with them as they're talking to viewers on the air. So it's 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 challenging for them for sure. But Glenn is so good at recognizing what's happened in the play that – you know, there's often we're just immediately on the same page. If it's a pass down the field, we're looking at the half field for the receiver's look, right? So if it's a sack, we're looking at the pit look that shows the line blocking. So um, a lot of it is just repetition. But like I said, Glenn is Glenn is one in a million. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Let's get back to our interview with the Canadian Football Hall of Famer, John Hines, as he's on the Western Pizza Hotline. We're coming to you live from the Brandt Center. Hey, John, let me ask you, as a producer, you're in charge of a lot of things. Are you exhausted after a game? I wouldn't say exhausted because there is an exhilaration after the game, after the broadcast, that you've just been, you know, going wired for three hours, right? So, um... Often it's hard to sleep after it. The, the, the biggest problem we have is our back-to-backs, right? 
that day of travel, and then, you know, we get to the truck six and a half hours before the game. Uh, those are tough because you've had very little sleep and you've been on a plane mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, there is, like I said, an, uh, a high almost after you get off the air that you, you almost can't sleep sometimes. John, is there one stadium more than another that you prefer to broadcast in, like in terms of facilities, sight lines, that type of thing? Uh, well, Mosaic is the best. I mean, it's it's the gold standard in in the CFL right now. That's pretty obvious. Everybody knows that. So, mm. uh, it, doing doing the games there is just a it's it's a real treat. Um, I, I've been around long enough to have done games in all the old stadiums in the league. That most most of them are gone now, but they were extremely challenging in terms of camera positions and all that stuff. What were those American stadiums like? Because you were there in expansion. Yeah, there was. Well, I mean, I did games. Baltimore was actually the best because that stadium was in immaculate shape. Even the old, you know, old Memorial Stadium where the Colts played, well, they the the field was immaculate there. They did a great job of taking care of the stadium. Uh, other places like Shreveport, you know, we did a game in Memphis between Edmonton and Memphis, and there might have been a thousand people in a seventy thousand seat stadium. So um, it was. It, 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 everything was a challenge back then. Let's put it that way. I mean, that's something. Nothing, nothing was easy. That's something I always wanted to ask a guy. And I've never had a chance. It's great to talk to a, a star like you behind the scenes, John Hines. So when you're broadcasting a game and the crowd's not that big, let's use Toronto for an example. Uh, lately, they've been getting crowds, but for the most part at BMO, it's not so good. Uh, do you have to, in a crafty way, uh, shoot the shot so it doesn't look like uh, there's, you know, so you you, you kind of give the illusion there are people at the game the best you can? Well, you, you always have to be conscious of what the crowd is when you're shooting, right? So that's that's the director's job who's cutting the live cameras to to make sure that those shots are kept to a minimum. Sometimes they're unavoidable, but obviously we don't like to show that. So Yeah. Okay. So have you always been a decision maker, like been really good with your decisions? Because that's a big part of your job. I'm not just talking to your job in life, like boom, boom, boom. You got to make decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a hard one to answer, really. Um, it's just because when you're in the moment making the decisions, you, you don't think about it that way because you don't have time to, right? You're just thinking about the next play and executing what you're doing, thinking about the next play. So um, in, in real life, am I like that? Uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> how, how far How far, How far? far do you work ahead, John? Like, I know you got to go kind of play by play, but you've seen the game. You know what happens generally in the game. You can probably think ahead uh, to what you think is going to happen. How far do you look in advance during the game as the producer? Uh, well, when you're in the game, you're always thinking about what's coming next, right? So, uh, no matter what you just did, whether it was good or bad, you've got to, you've got to move on quickly. So, um, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to describe Michael, if you you haven't either seen it or sat in and watched it, what's going on, because it does look like chaos. Uh Um, lots of people talking at the same time, you know, I've got, I've got sometimes four or five people talking to me all at the same time. What's so. the best trait? What's the best trait besides decision making? What's the best trait for a top level producer? Uh, the no- most important job of the producer is working with the commentators and making them comfortable so they can be the best they are. So, uh, being able to, they, I learned that real early from from some 
great producers in this country, Keith Pelly, Paul Graham, guys like that. So, mm-hmm. Is there a play or a situation where you're, where you're like, yeah, okay, like, can you put yourself in one situation where you're remembered vividly? It would be the, the Sidney Crosby goal in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, no, take me through that. Like, what what's that situation like when you're watching it and you, you are enveloped in it instead of a guy like me drinking a beer watching on the couch? It was complete chaos. I've, I've never seen anything like it. When that goal went in, uh, you know, it, funny story about that. I don't know if you remember, but Sid didn't have the greatest tournament. Right? No, no, he didn't. So when they're rushing up the ice, I said to our stats guy, Dave Moyer, I just talking out loud, I said, what the hell's wrong with Sid? I mean, who's this guy wearing Crosby's number out there? Because we haven't seen any. And literally 10 seconds later, he scores the golden goal. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was so loud. And there was so, like, we're in a TV truck outside, but it was still, it was deafening. It was deafening outside in, in the truck. So um, what at that point you have to do is, while others may be going crazy, you have to keep your head because you have to decide where you're going, which replays you're showing, how long you wait to show the replays because you have to show enough crowd reaction. You have to make sure your commentators lay out and don't talk over that crowd ce- that celebration. So there's there's a lot going on. But I I was when we walked out of that game after doing all those games at the Olympics and then uh, it culminating the way it did. Um, we were all pretty pleased with that. What a uh, yeah, yeah. what an you know, Chris, what Chris an Chris iconic call, yeah, call. yeah, what an iconic call, hey? Yeah, is his greatest ever. Uh, he couldn't have had a better guy to call that game. I agree. Um, how many decisions do you got to make in a game? Have you ever thought about that? Like a three-hour football game, how many decisions do you make? Well, when the play, like when the actual play is on. As you know, there's a play every 20 seconds, or in real time, it's more like 30 seconds, right? Once right. we set the clock yeah. and all that stuff. So after every one of those, as soon as the tackle is made, you're making a decision. So however many times that happens in a game, I've, I've never, uh, I've never actually counted, uh, but it's it's constant. You're you're constantly deciding. Okay, we're we going, you know, we're we going to replay. Are we going to tell a story about someone? Are we doing a network promo? Are we going to a graphic about these teams? There's so many different things you can do on the tackle. And the, the key thing is you just have to do it right away. Here and there. That is John Hines joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline as he's going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Next week, we'll talk to Vicki Hall, who is breaking the barrier on the media side for the ladies, first woman to do so. And we'll also talk to Solomon Elamimian on Monday as well, a first ballot Hall of Famer. When we come back on the other side of the 430 News, we get the CFL report. Then Abby White in our control room with a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's another round of Chase the Ace. This is the Sports Cage live from the Brand Center for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They're going to treat you right, 781-2090. The Regina Pats taking on the Moose Jaw Warriors tonight, 7 o'clock. Face-off, our pregame show begins at 635. Now, the Pats can get into the playoffs for the first time since 2017-2018. And my buddy Dave Delaforce, big fan, wants them in the playoffs. Here's how they do it. They beat Moose Jaw and Swift Kurt loses to Red Deer, or the Pats get a point, a loser point in 
overtime or in a shootout loss to Moose Jaw tonight, and Swift Current as a regulation loss at Red Deer. In uh, March Madness, we had one more kind of minor upset. Number 11, Pittsburgh, was victorious over number uh, 6, Iowa State, 59-41 in the first round there in March Madness. More games to come tonight. One in the NHL involving a Canadian team, the Toronto Make Me Laughs, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. And that is your sports ticker. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Today on the CFL Report, we catch up with second-year rider Jaden Dalkey. He stormed on the scene last season at training camp, turning heads, and the late-round pick out of the U of A is hoping to build on that going into his second campaign, something he's already started to work on. Yeah, like Shad said, just start running, and that's what I've been doing. I'm just trying to get moving more fluid to make sure that I'm not I'm not losing a stride on the field and so that I'm ready if I'm called upon to go into any position on the field, just staying lean and in shape and ready to bang some heads. Well, how tall are you and what's your weight at right now? Six one and a bit. I, I like to round up to six two, and I hover <laughs> around uh, two hundred four to two uh, two hundred seven ish. And is that is that kind of where you play at, Jaden? Well, we saw through last season. I came in training camp at two hundred five, and um, just through training and mm-hmm. um, through the season, I ended up to getting up to closer to like two fifteen by end of the season, but. So what's your diet? Yeah. What's your diet look like to keep weight on? Because it's tough to keep weight on during the season when you're running, like you said. Yeah, during the season they uh, they look after us, getting getting us fed before and after practice, and then um, I like a lot of steak, so I'll I'd like to do steak and asparagus and keep it kind of lean for uh, dinners, but yeah, there's a variety. I keep a variety of food, but I'm a big breakfast food guy, so. And, uh, and and lastly, you probably I mean, oh, I know you uh, grew up in Alberta, but your f- family are Ryder fans. You probably couldn't find a better place to play, right? Absolutely not. It was a dream come true. Jaden, thanks for your time, man. Continued success in the offseason. Can't wait to see you at training camp, bud. I appreciate it. I'll see you soon, Baldy. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for 70 years. As you heard Dolkey there, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. It's time now for me to throw it back to Harvard Control and Abby White's who is uh, ready to uh, launch Chase the Ace for another week. Take it away, Abby. Thank you very much, Michael. Yes, uh, we are excited to go again. Week two of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, I thought that that, uh, it should be like week 10. Well, uh, if you missed it a couple weeks ago, we actually did have a grand prize winner. And so we have basically reset and started over with Chase the Ace. Now today... Joining us uh, with our Chase the Ace, not uh, our regular cast of characters, we have uh, Kent Paul, the writer's CFO, the money guy, but he's also part of the uh, board of directors for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation, so welcome to Harvard. Thanks, Abby. Excited to be here. Glad to have you here. Uh, It's not very often that a money guy (laughs) gives out money. 
Yeah, no, you're right. Usually the CFO is not too excited to give out the money, but today I am. It's St. Patrick's Day, so we're excited to give out a big prize. Excellent. Well, $756 is where our weekly uh, prize ended up. And, of course, the uh, Chase the Ace grand prize at this moment is sitting at $10,000. Uh, again, this only week two, so only one card is, uh, has been chosen. So let's get right to it, Kent. If you could right. uh, pick us a name, let's... Uh, Let's see who we're going to get some cash to today on this St. Patrick's Day. Let me see here. I'll do uh, log in, figure out who's going to be the winner. Okay. We got a winner. Hang on. Okay. Write it down. Over to you. Ah, really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I recognize that name. Looks familiar. Yeah. Well, they're going to uh, take it down the hall for R.W. Stillborn. Who, uh, well, if that's the same R.W. Stillborn, was the grand prize winner of the last edition of Chase the Ace and won over $50,000. Uh, I believe his name is Ross, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. uh, so we'll try to get a hold of Ross. Uh, if Ross is not available today, we'll try him three times. Uh, if not, then, uh, it's up to me to pick a number and, and we'll grab a card and, and see if we find that Ace of Spades, the Braden Lennius card. So tell me about, uh, your time uh, on the board and, and the experience. How's that been for you yeah you know the the foundation you know a couple years into its existence and it's been exciting you know cindy and team have done an amazing job in growing the foundation to where it is and and the key thing is you know seeing all the amazing work they give back to the community you know obviously the pillars around you know amateur sport and youth and and health and wellness and and big thing right now is mental mental wellness for sure and that's uh you know one of the key things that Chase Ace is helping support is that mental wellness campaign. You know, and one thing I've noticed uh, as of late for sure is they've been very active uh, in rural Saskatchewan and, and, you know, outside of Regina, basically. And we know that they're in Saskatoon today and tomorrow for the uh, big winter classic hockey game with um, Brett Lother and Rob Bag being the uh, the team captains and stuff. So that's pretty exciting. But uh, I know that they've been up in Prince Albert and I saw some photos of, uh, you know, I think Frankie Hickson was down in uh, Weyburn recently. So yeah. The foundation is really trying to uh, spread their their reach and, and you know reengage I guess rural Saskatchewan. No, hundred percent, and you know it's it's amazing the number of, of kids they've been able to reach here in the last couple months. Um, you know it's into the thousands of, of of kids, and you know through the reading program and through mental wellness, and as you said, all corners of the province is being touched, and and really that's what it's about is get back to the community and support the community where we can. Yeah, big part of Rider Nation. Okay. R.W. Stillborn, which I believe is Ross. Are you uh, on the line, Ross? Uh, yeah, speaking. Hi, Ross. First of all, happy St. Patrick's Day. Okay, you yeah, might be you. The, you, too. you might be the... You might be the luckiest person in Saskatchewan that I know <laughs> because, uh, well, you won some big money there just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you haven't blown through that $50,000, have you yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't got it yet, actually, but it should be soon. <laughs> well, I've got the CFO in front of me, so uh, have you written that check yet, Kent? I'm pretty certain the check's on its way, Ross. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, there you go. Well, Ross, you just keep winning, and I'm sure you're not going to complain about that. Now, it's not uh, the fifty grand today, but uh, you've won $756. That's the weekly prize. But we could maybe add $10,000 more to that if you find the Ace of Spades, the Braden Lennius card. And I don't even have to tell you how this works because you've already won a couple of times. So, Ross, I need a number between 1 and 52. Okay, we'll go with 23. 
23. Last time you, you, I think it was 11, right? Was that the number you picked when right. you won the 50 grand? I think that's what it was. Right, yeah. I was here. I was here. I know. Okay, 23. All right. So I will grab the envelope, number 23. There it is there. I'm going to give it to you, Kent. Sure. You can uh, open that up and uh, let Ross know what card is inside. Again, if it's an ace of spades, that's another $10,000. <laughs> All right. Here we go, Ross. Lucky card is... <laughs> A seven of clubs. Seven of clubs. Sorry, Ross. No, no, I don't think good. Ross is that disappointed. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Ross, we appreciate you uh, being a part of, uh, of you know the foundation Chase the Ace Draw. And again, the uh, you are um, a prime example of why you know you should buy weekly because you can win yep. more than once. And Ross, this is I guess this is your third win now, right? Yeah, it was worth a $25 ticket this afternoon, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Congratulations, Ross, and appreciate your support. Absolutely. And uh, coming up at 5 o'clock, Ross, you might as well just, uh, you know, buy some more tickets for next week, and maybe we'll talk to you then, too. (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ross. Uh, yes, he's our week two winner here in this edition of uh, Chase the Ace. And uh, quickly before we wrap up, Kent, we want to thank our friends at Viterra for being such big yep. supporters of uh, of this. Yeah, no, for sure. The Viterra group is an amazing group and supporting Chase the Ace and all things they do to support the foundation is, is truly amazing. Awesome. Thank you for taking your time. Thank you. Again, ha- uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. I mean, pretty much everybody in Saskatchewan's got some green on today. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty no, tough sure. not to. <laughs> yeah, awesome. All right, well, thanks for having me as well. Excellent. More of the Sports Cage with Michael Ball live from the Brant Center coming up in a moment. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Win the draw, shot by Weger, scores! Weger able to find the back of the net, quick. Majapani's in front, that pass denied as it was tipped aside by White Cloud. Flames turn it over though, here's Toffoli, in time, scores! Tyler Toffoli! Top of the circle, lays it back, Weger, played in front, they score, tipped in by Coleman! Tyler Toffoli and Blake Coleman each had two goals as the Calgary Flames rough up the Vegas Golden Knights last night with a big road victory. 7-2. Calgary's won 4-5 of five and now knocking on the door for a wild card spot. The Flames are flickering and there are clutch performers for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Call 781-1077. Welcome back inside the Brandt Center by the old Pat store. That's in the southeast corner. The west side's the new Pat store where they've got Regina Pat St. Patrick's themed t-shirts for you to buy when you're coming to the game tonight. A sold out game between the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. They wrap up their season series. They've played six of eight games so far. Pats have won two, lost four. So they'll try to close the gap a little more tonight. A reminder, you're going to that Moose Jaw game tomorrow. Make sure you're not a part of the old scamming thing. There's a ticket scammers going around online saying they've got tickets to uh, sell, and they've got pictures that appear to show them in Moose Jaw, like they're Moose Jaw residents, but uh, you've been warned that you could get scammed. So make sure you're uh, very diligent that way if you're looking to buy some uh, second market tickets. All right, so... We are now going to take a look back at the um, 
Sports Cage Rewind. We take a bit or an interview from earlier in the week, and uh, we replay it. And I thought today it'd be appropriate to catch up th- with the Regina Pat superstar Connor Bedard. So let's go back to our conversation. Uh, I believe it was on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. So, Connor, I was at St. Bernadette School uh, uh, just uh, recently, and I guess you were there before me. Um, what's it like going to the school with all the kids yelling and everything like that and, uh, you know, having, having them look up to you when you're just 17 yourself? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, when you, for me, when I wake up and look at myself in the mirror or whatever, I don't see anything different than, than I've ever seen, but... Um, you know, it's pretty cool to have, you know, kids get excited to see you and, um, you know, obviously in, in a big group like that there, it gets a little loud, but, uh, no, it, it was good and, and it's exciting to kind of see the excitement and, and maybe make someone's day. Who was that for you? Did you have kind of a, th- did an athlete or somebody come to your school that you looked up to? Um, Barzell came to a few of our practices on our spring, spring hockey team. So, uh, that was always exciting and, even to this day, we talk a lot, and, and he's kind of been a, been a mentor. But um, you know, I remember when when he was showing up to our practices, and we were all kind of starstruck. Mm-hmm. Connor, um, how much is being a role model important to you? I know you're a young guy yet. It's not like you're a 26 year old season pro. You're still finding yourself at 17. Although people treat you like you're <laughs> you're uh, already 25, including myself. But but how much is being a role model important to you? Yeah, it's important. I mean, I want to be, I want to be seen as a you know a good player as, as much as a good or a good person as much as a good player. Sorry, and, um, you know I think you know that's that's part of it, and, and being someone that, that kids can look up to, and, and even parents can say to their kids that you know I'm handling myself in this this manner or whatever, and, and kind of being able to to be that guy you can look at and, and see, and uh, you know kind of get a positive impact from. Connor Bedard joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Before we talk about the, the games coming up and the ones you uh, just went through, is it hard to say no to people, Connor? Because you get asked for interviews, you get asked for autographs, you have to stay the longest at the team signings. Does that get a little taxing? Is it hard to say no? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely tough to say no, especially now. I'm just kind of, like, it's, it's a bit of a new thing for me. And, um, you know, I think you got to learn how to say no sometimes and, uh, but I think it's, it's tough. You want to you want to try to make everyone happy and and uh, kind of be able to you know do do all that stuff. But um, you know when there's as much stuff as you know sometimes there has been, you can't always do it. But I think that's something you got to you got to learn, and uh, that comes with time. Did you take some advice from anybody? Have you asked? I know you've skated with McDavid. You you know Barzell. Have you asked those guys about the stress that comes with being in the public eye? Um, not that question. Specifically, but um, you know, at the Bosco camp and stuff, I got to you know ask those guys questions and kind of just learn from them the way they they were carrying themselves and the way you know they they were kind of approaching things and uh, talking about stuff. And then obviously, uh, Joe Barzell, someone that you know I'm I'm friends with now, and can kind of shoot him a text if I have a question or something, which is you know, really great of him to obviously kind of answer me and and uh, you know help me with some stuff. Hey, you can drive now. One of the things I always found for me is a stress relief. Uh, I'll pick up a coffee or something and just go drive around, just kind of, you know, paying attention to the road, but kind of mindlessly driving around, listening to music. Do you do that or how do you relieve stress? Because you got to get away sometimes. Yeah, I don't, 
really drive around like aimlessly, but um, if I'm driving home or, or got some, I like kind of, you know, it's nice kind of being alone sometimes and listening to music, like you said. And uh, I think that's some, but um, for me, I just like to be with, you know, people I'm close to, my family and friends, or, um, you know, just kind of relaxing. So I think I'm, I think I'm uh, getting better at kind of, you know, mentally, I guess, unwinding a little. When did you start practicing? This might be strange. I don't think I've asked you this. When did you start practicing your autograph? Uh, in the bubble, my first year. I didn't have one when I came in, and we were uh, signing like these sheets or something for people. I, I can't really remember exactly what it was, but I just wrote my initials down. <laughs> uh, all the guys are kind of giving it to me and the trainers and stuff. So, um, you know, I'm there for like, uh, like 30 minutes probably a few guys trying to come up with one and then came up with it and uh, just practiced a bit and I think I'm decent at it now. Connor, give me a shout out to Greg Mayer who left the Pats to join the Rough Riders. He'd been in the Western Hockey League with Moose Jaw and then the Pats for a very long time, like over 1,800 games. Just talk about how important a guy like that is to your success because he had a lot of great things to say about you. Yeah, for sure. He was, you know, best of the best and, uh, you know, when he told us you know, the news is obviously very upsetting, but, um, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity for him, obviously, to go with the, the Rough Riders and everything. But, um, you know, he's such a such a great guy. He brings so much life to, you know, our dressing room and obviously the job he does with everything. He's so uh, so particular and, and um, you know, so careful with everything he does and, uh, you know, really puts the time in. So, um, you know, he's obviously great, great at his job, but, uh, you know, when you get to know him on a, on a personal level, he's just, just a good guy and, and someone that is, you know, a lot of fun to be around. I watched the trade deadline day, man. They needed to fill time. They did it with the Be Bad for Bedard song. Is that on your phone? Is your ringtone now? What did you think of that? Uh, definitely not on my ringtone, but um, <laughs> I think it was funny. I think you know, some of the some of the guys and stuff were, were tripping me about it a little, but uh, no, it was funny. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's uh, you know, pretty crazy of them to get be able to get everyone to do it so that that was probably the, the best part of it yeah and you you must have a lot of pinch me moments man what's it like for you to be with your team and you're not a, you don't want this to be about yourself and i know that but you're every rink you're going to now road or home it's pretty well sold out how cool is that to experience that with your teammates and kind of get that rock star mentality now the pats wherever you're going it should bode well for the playoffs in terms of being ready for the atmosphere yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's exciting for us, and um, you know, I think all all the guys have been you know enjoying it, and uh, everywhere you go, it's sold out, and you're playing in front of these you know very energetic buildings and stuff. And um, you know, I think even even at home as well, we've been selling out and, and everything. It's been it's been so much fun, and uh, you know, support we've we've been able to get's been been unreal. So um, you know, that part of it, especially. In the second half here has been uh, pretty special. Is it hard to block out all this stuff? Like, you know, we talked about Be Bad for Bedard. They also did a mock draft while you were on with them. That, that must have been kind of strange. We talked about this before. Like, who's going who's gonna to get him? Is it going to be Chicago? Is it going to be Montreal? Is it hard to block out all the noise? It's got to be hard. But you do a great job of it. But is it difficult? Um, no, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's stuff, but I think, uh, you know, for me, I'm so focused on, on what we're doing and, and trying to win and obviously trying to play the best that I can. And, um, you know, that's number one on my mind, obviously the, all that stuff is, is very long in the future and, and all that. And, uh, you know, I think for me, just, 
just staying present and, and being focused on, you know, what I can control and, and uh, kind of what's important here, um, you know, today. And, and that's kind of my, my mindset on, on all that stuff. Right. You're being where your skates are, but can you allow yourself a second to just come a uh, step back and smell the roses here? Like this will be probably your last stretch as a Regina Pat, depending how far it goes in the playoffs. Can you just kind of soak it all in right now? Or are you just wrapped up in the moment and you'll look back on it later? Um, I don't, I don't like looking in the you know future too much. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, win games with my teammates and, um, no one knows if, you know, it's, oh, I mean, it's NHL is a pretty hard league to make. So, uh, there's definitely, you know, a good chance I'll be back or, or whatever. And, you know, that's something that I haven't, haven't thought about too much. Like I said, I'm just kind of, you know, enjoying, enjoying the end of the season with my teammates and, and trying to win as many games as we can. That's Connor Bedard on our Sports Cage Rewind from earlier in the week tonight. He and his teammates take on the Moose Jaw Warriors. St. Patrick's Day affair. The uh, game gets started at 7. Our pregame show at 6.35 right here from the table. I'm sitting at Dante DeCarianis. Crew will be here to take you through the pregame show on the concourse and then upstairs for the call just after 7. The 7th of 8 meetings between the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. Regina is 2-4 and four in those contests. First of 3-3 three and three nights. They're playing tonight here, tomorrow in Moose Jaw and sold out Saskatoon on Sunday. I believe it's 4 o'clock face-off there. Uh, real family-friendly uh, start time. Pats can get into the playoffs in a couple of uh, different scenarios. Um, if they win tonight... And Moosja, or I uh, check that Swift Current, loses at Red Deer they're in. Or if Regina gets a loser point, either in overtime or a shootout loss here tonight, and Swift Current loses in regulation time at Red Deer, the Pats are in the playoffs for the first time since 2017-2018. Coming up on the other side of 5 o'clock, don't go anywhere. we got the president of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Reynolds, will join us. We'll ask him about his thoughts on the Montreal sale, what's going on in Halifax, uh, John Ryan talking about his old Green Bay Packers teammate Aaron Rodgers, his old Seahawks teammate Russell Wilson, and the Lamar Jackson situation. Plus, he's been at the World Baseball Classic for the entire first round in Arizona, and Luke Molitor before the show's done as well. This is the Sports Cage from uh, for Nelson Holmes from the Brandt Center on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the show, brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Our hotline sponsored by Western Pizza. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We're talking the business side of sports with the president and CEO of the Rough Riders, Craig Reynolds. Thanks for joining me at the end of a very busy week. It was a good uh, good news day about a week ago when the CFL announced the sale of the Montreal Alouettes. How does that look from your perspective, a community-owned team? Yeah, re- really good, Michael. Obviously, it's great to have uh, strong local ownership in, in, in Montreal with your Carl and and uh, and I thought Randy and, and Scott Banda, our board chair, and the entire board of governors did a great job sort of finding the right the right owner and uh, and uh, it's good news for the CFL and it's good news for our, for our team. Any concern about uh, him not uh, you know he's got a company that would be a competitor against uh, one of your major rights holders out being a Bell Media? Was that ever a topic of discussion? Um, no, you know it's certainly not from from our our perspective. Uh, you know, speaking speaking on behalf of the Rough Riders, you know, we know he's a 
very strong, strong businessman and been very, very successful, very, very passionate about, about Montreal and, and the Alouettes. And that's what you want in an owner. Yeah. How important was it for you from your perspective to get this thing done pretty fast, given that you didn't want to go through another elongated situation where the league was uh, owning a team? Yeah, I think from from the, the league perspective and certainly from an individual franchise, you know, you want the right owner first and foremost. And we certainly feel, uh, you know, as, as Rough Riders that we've got a, a great, strong uh, owner in, in Montreal. Um, and, and but you, yeah, you know, obviously you want to move with, with pace too. So if you can if you do what what the league was able to accomplish, which was to find the right owner in, in short order, um, you know, I think that's that's the real win in, in, in this. And so I think, again, Great job by uh, Scott Band, our board chair, entire board of governors, and and under Randy's uh, stewardship to, to to get done what was what they got done last week. I had the commissioner on a week ago, and I said it feels like it's uh, you know what you know what or get off the pot as as far as the uh, Halifax situation goes. Uh, from your perspective, do you feel like that too? He agreed. We need to go in there and make a concerted effort, and finally uh, decide this thing one thing or one way or another. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. You know, I, I, I know the commissioner has talked about it being a priority now that, um, you know, we've got really strong ownership across, across the league is, is really to, to get the, the league to be coast to coast and, and to start, to, you know, making it a priority to try to, try to get that 10th franchise out in, out in Atlanta, Canada. And we just, you know, I was blown away. You were there, Michael, last year. It was just, it was awesome to be there and to, and to be part of that event. We're so excited to be back out there. Um, it was just, it was just outstanding. Like the buzz in the city, you know, obviously aided by our fans who travel very, very well, as you know, and I know there'll be thousands of them again this, this year, but it was just, it was an amazing uh, atmosphere out there. And I just, couldn't help but think about how cool this would be to have a, a permanent franchise out there. Yeah, it would be great. Is it taxing, though, from your team's perspective to do this two years in a row? Uh, I know uh, the Riders are the flagship franchise in terms of popularity. It's it's uh, ground zero, as it were, for the CFL in terms of their lifeblood. But it's got to be a taxing situation. Look at your schedule this uh this year, you're in BC on a Saturday playing a tough Lions team, and then you got to fly cross country a week later and take part in this again. No, not at all. Like we we embraced it. You know, I had the conversation right away with with uh, Jeremy and, and 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 Coach Dickinson around. Would we be interested in doing this? And, and they both right away said absolutely. Like our players loved it. It was a great experience. It's a it's a great bonding experience for our team. And obviously, it's great for our fans. You know, we had we had so many fans. I had lots of fans. You know, mentioned that they really were sad they weren't able to join us last year, and and hopefully many of those will join us join us this year. So so no, you know, you're going to have short turnarounds. You're going to have travel uh, as part of the schedule. Last year we had some challenging weeks as, as well. So we don't look at it from that perspective. Uh, we feel privileged to be a part of this. We're lucky to be part of it. We put up our hands right away I, to the commissioner, and I said, you know, if you if if we're do, if we're doing a touchdown Atlantic, we'd love to be a part of it again, and we're just really happy that we are. Riders President Craig Reynolds joining us for a couple of minutes here. We're coming to you live from the Brand Center, Pats, and the Moose Jaw Warriors. Um, Dave Naylor floated this out. I just want to get your thoughts from your perspective. Maybe we can get this thing up and running. Maybe we look at the other teams owning it till we get it going, and then solidify it with a regular owner. I, I don't. Don't really I'm not in favor of that I don't know what your perspective would be on something like that yeah you know I can't comment on it too much I, I just I think there would be challenges with, with with that um you know to have a, a legal and one franchise and the other nine are, are sort of privately or 
owned or in our case community owned. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm not sure that's the, that, that's the model. Again, that hasn't really been mm-hmm. something that we've talked about. So if that, you know, so obviously I can't really comment on, yeah. it, on it too much, but I, th- I think there might be challenges with that for sure. And uh, behind the scenes, Greg Mayer going, we're talking pads here. He's going from the orange top to mosaic to take over as your athletic therapist. Just your thoughts on that. Yeah, really excited. Actually, you know, I miss Greg when Jeremy first took him through the, the stadium. I was away, I think uh, in Toronto actually uh, for CFL meeting. So I went down and visited with him uh, earlier this week and uh, just really excited to have him on board. He's got great experience. Um, he's already in there working with one of our players and, and just had a great chat with them. Great guy. Um, like I said, great experience with, with the Pats. Um, and we're really just, we're really fortunate to have him come, uh, come here and, uh, and be part of our organization. He's really excited and we're excited now. Craig, thanks for your time, man. We'll check in in a couple weeks time. I pre- Oh, Hey, one more thing, I guess you got the big game this weekend coming up here tomorrow. As a matter of fact, that big alumni game over at the Merlis Belcher. Yeah, speaking of paths and speaking of hockey, yeah, we've got we've got our own little hockey game, which I I didn't think I, I would say, but you know, full credit to Brett Lawther. This was this was his his idea. He approached uh, Cindy Fuchs of their foundation and sort of said we should do a charity hockey game. And he he wanted to be part of it, and and he's such a proud supporter of kids sport, and kids sport just does such great work getting kids who might not not otherwise be able to play football or in this case hockey uh, to be able to do it. So we're really excited about it. It's it's gonna be really cool. Something something different. Uh, I saw uh, Brett showed me the pictures of him in the uniform the uniform looks cool it's got that retro s uh, mm-hmm. which, which i love and we we love on it and so so it's gonna be cool i'm gonna head up there uh with, with the kids and we're gonna take it in and i look forward to interacting with people and it'll be fun you know there's gonna be an autograph session after it lots of stuff for four kids um because you know that's who's benefiting kids uh, ultimately through kids sports so uh kudos to brett kudos to the foundation uh for the idea and the concept and it'd be something fun something a little different in the off season and get get the Hopefully lots of people in Saskatoon out and, and uh, enjoying that hockey game. I'm glad you like the retro S like me, Prez. you got to push for us to wear that a little more during the season besides Labor Day. That's, I love that jersey. I, I love it too. I don't want to spoil too much, but there might be a, there might be a game where we might be, uh, other than Labor Day, there might be a game where, where that might make some sense. So, uh, no, I love that retro S. I try to buy as much merch with the retro S as, as I can. Thanks. Uh, take care. Awesome. You too, Michael. Thanks. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Page on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. This Friday on the Sports Cage brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for 70 years. Talking to Regina Football Royalty, Super Bowl champ John Ryan. Uh, as we talk, you're watching March Madness. Uh, do you watch college basketball any other time of the year? No, not really. I usually start to pick it up around late February. Um, I've kind of inherited the Arkansas team because my wife went there and her family's all there. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to kind of have a, have a horse in the race and uh, start to follow a team, but I don't really get that interested until February. Do you put any money on it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> not, not a lot. I'm not, I'm not a big gambler, but uh, I like to throw a few bucks in each game just to make it a little more interesting. I had Adam Burke from VEASAN on on Wednesday on the show, and he said, take Furman over Virginia, and I was going to do it, and I just, I was, uh, I got distracted, then my son came over for lunch, and he's like, did you see Virginia lost to Furman? I'm like, no! I was going to put 50 bucks on that one. Oh. Yeah, that, that one screwed up my bracket. Yeah, uh, screwed up 17 million brackets, and then the nerdy school, Providence, yeah. beats Arizona. Were you a basketball player? You know, I didn't play until 12th grade. Uh, grade 12, I played at Sheldon, and that was kind of the only only year I I, uh, I played. I quit hockey after 
uh, grade 11, I was playing uh, midget triple A and we started to focus on football. And then I had the winters open, so I started playing basketball, but only for that one year. Do you wish you would have taken another direction? Uh, no, no. It uh, it worked out for me. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed uh, playing basketball while I did, and uh, I enjoyed hockey while I was there, but uh, I think I did uh, made the right choice. You've been watching this World Baseball Classic. Do you think they're still going to go with it after that uh, After that, Diaz, Edwin Diaz, wrecked his patellar tendon, jumping up and down and celebrating? Yeah, I'm actually down here in Phoenix right now. I went to uh, all 10 games at the, in this pool. Got to see Canada play four times. I won a couple games. Um, injuries have always been the biggest concern for this uh, this uh, tournament or showcase, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I mean, that's that's a rough one when you got a guy making you know tens of millions of dollars and I think he's going to miss one entire year. Uh, I think owners are going to be uh, maybe not as open to letting the players play in this tournament, uh, you know, in three years when they do it again. So uh, we'll see because it's, it's been a blast in the, you know, the, the fans get into it, especially these Latin fans, but they're going crazy. And it's so much fun to be in that stadium during these games. And I hope it keeps on going. The only uh, Major League Baseball game I've seen live is Arizona-Miami before the pandemic. So not a spectacular game. I find that stadium gloomy in Chase Field. It's almost like I think they need to build a new one for the D-backs. Yeah, there, there's talk about it. it you know, it's uh, 25 years old now, which seems to me it doesn't seem that old, but uh, it, it does feel a little bit different. You know, it's so sunny here and everything's uh, awesome. And you go in there and it feels a little, like you said, a little dingy. And uh, this week, the weather's been perfect this week, but the roof has been broken, so the roof has been closed all weekend. <laughs> it's harder than it needs to be in there, and it just it doesn't doesn't quite feel like you know a, a good old summer ball game. Isn't America something? Hey, eh? they have something for like eighteen years, like the Georgia Dome, and the NFL says you got to build something bigger. You can't have a Super Bowl, so they just blow the wad on the uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium. It's just a different animal down there. Yeah, it's crazy though. You know, there's always someone someone around to fund it, and unfortunately for these stadiums, it's usually the people. Uh, they're the ones that usually uh, pay for it uh, with tax dollars. But, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, 20 old stadiums, all of a sudden now that's considered old, which is, uh, seems a little bit ridiculous. What do you make of this Aaron Rodgers following Brett Favre's footsteps to the Jets? If he goes there, I guess. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost eerie how close it is to what happened to Brett Favre. You know, Brett Favre, when Brett Favre, when I played Brett Favre 15 years ago, uh, you know, they draft this kid, Aaron Rodgers, in the first round. He sits behind Brett for three years. Brett, Brett plays great. Going into that fourth year of Aaron's contract, uh, you know, he's been on the bench the whole time. So they just kind of push Brett out the back door and he's forced to be traded to the New York Jets. Now we're seeing the exact same thing, uh, almost to a T, going on with Aaron uh, being kind of, you know, whether or not he's getting pushed out or, or walking out on his own. Uh, we don't really know what's going on in the back rooms there, but it's uh, it's almost eerie how, how close it is to what happened with uh, Brett Favre when I was there. Isn't that negligent on the Jets' part? You'd think they'd have a deal already in place. Now it's kind of like the Packers have all the leverage now. Yeah, it, it's very bizarre, you know, the way the way this whole thing is going down. Um, I don't know how it worked if they, they allowed Aaron's agent to try to work on a trade, or uh, I know they let him talk to him pretty, pretty early uh, a couple weeks ago. And even that I found a little bit bizarre. And uh, now it kind of shifts the power from uh, from the Jets to back to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And it's kind of weird on Aaron's part. I, I feel like he's a guy of – he likes people to – to to talk about him and everything like that, obviously. It's almost like he should have stayed in Green Bay with one team, and he has a way better chance of winning the Super Bowl through the NFC, in my opinion. I don't even know if he makes the playoffs with the Jets, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think Weird and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of go hand-in-hand hand the last four or five years. I mean, we've seen more bizarre uh, behavior and more bizarre decisions uh, 
from Aaron Rodgers than we have in his first uh, 10 or 12 years for sure. Uh, for me, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling a little bit why you wouldn't stay in Green Bay, uh, play out your career, and, and be able to retire a Green Bay Packer and move on. I, I don't know. But uh, there must be some things going on that you know maybe you or I don't don't see uh, going on behind closed doors because to me it just seems it seems ridiculous that you would leave that team that's not that far off. You know a lot of teams picked them to win it last year. They underachieved, but uh, I think the Jets are a long ways away. Russell Wilson, your other old uh, teammate quarterback's given off a weird vibe the last little bit too uh, at the tail end of Seattle and into Denver. Now obviously didn't have a great year, but do you think uh, Sean Payton turns his game around? I, I said this before they hired Sean Payton that uh, Russell Wilson will be the comeback player in the year, year next year, uh, be a Pro Bowler and uh, crush it. I think they're going to do well. I think they win eleven or twelve games, and uh, you're going to see Russell William Will, Russell Wilson of old. Yeah, no, it's going to be very very interesting to see how that goes. And if you were advising Lamar Jackson, what would you tell him right now? Uh, go back in time about two years and not make a complete mess of this whole thing. Is what I would have told him. Uh, I don't think he handled it very well. You know, there was rumbling last year that he just he could have went back and played, but he didn't because he didn't want to get hurt without a contract. Uh, I just think it could have probably been held handled better from both sides. Uh, so you know, as a football player, you got to get your money. We can take it. So I don't blame him for that. Um, but I just wish it would be a little bit cleaner for for both sides. Would you uh, have him play on a thirty-two million dollar guaranteed one-year deal? I would. I mean, I know that uh, in the real world, that's a ridiculous amount of money that all of us could live on and our, our kids and our kids' kids could live on. Uh, but at the same time, he's, he's worth more. Uh, so it, it's hard to say one way or the other. Uh, for me, as a competitor, I, I, would, I would play, play on it. Uh, he should be getting probably you know, 30 to $40 million a year for a five- or six-year contract. I think that's probably a fair market value for him right now, and he's not getting inside. So he that side of it why he's frustrated. Hey, uh, two more things, uh, not NFL related. Back to the World Baseball Classic and baseball. What do you think of the rule changes? You know, I, I was against them as a baseball purist and old school guy. I, I was against them. Uh, I went to three or four spring training games with the new clock rule, um, and you know the game goes on a lot really quick. It's like watching baseball and fast forward a little bit. You know, you kind of get, it's got two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, as, a, as a baseball fan, as I mentioned, I think it's a bit of an overcorrection. You know, I'd like to see about a two-hour and 45-minute game, nothing over three hours. Uh, that's preferable for me. Uh, but then I went to the World Baseball Classic where they're not using the clock. It's the old rules, and uh, the game's dragged. The game's definitely dragged. Canada played Great Britain, uh, and, and they got the mercy rule Great Britain after seven innings, so it was only a seven-inning game. And I think it was over four hours long. So we're not going to see that kind of thing anymore in the majors. Um, we'll see how it kind of plays out once we get to the regular season, but I, I think it was a bit of an overcorrection. Uh, and you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. As, as my wife being an Angel fan, I don't want to take a train one hour uh, to go to Anaheim, watch a two-hour game, and take a train an hour, hour and a half coming back. So I, I want to enjoy uh, a little bit longer than a two-hour and fifty-minute game. Okay, and uh, and lastly, after you've uh, sampled a little bit of baseball, do you have a World Series prediction in terms of who's going to play in the World Series this year? The way too early John Ryan World Series prediction. <laughs> this is this is the way the way too early. Uh, I think it's uh, I, I want to pick it be a rematch back from the early nineties. Go Phillies, Blue Jays.
Phillies Blue Jays, very interesting. I picked Padres Blue Jays way at the start, so uh, could be. Uh, okay, yeah, I like that too. That'd be nice. Hey, thanks for your time, John. Enjoy March Madness and uh, the off season. Well, the off season. Yeah, <laughs> you're retired. It, it, you're, it's, it's all off season for me now, buddy. They're they're all just Saturdays and Sundays from here on out. <laughs> Love it. Take care, my friend. Just ahead of our conversation with Luke Motter, we got a sports ticker and a pad chat. Sports tickers brought to you by Busy B. They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy B doors, the garage door specialist. We're coming to you live from the Brand Center Pats and the Brand or uh, the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors. Part meet the sold out rink. The seventh of eight meetings on the season between these teams. They'll wrap up their regular season meetings tomorrow in Moose Jaw Pats or in Saskatoon on Sunday in the NHL. Luke's Toronto Maple Leafs taking on Carolina and in their Patrick's St. Patrick's Day uniforms, white and green, looking more like the Riders. The Leafs are winning. Two nothing in the late stages of the first. Blues over the Capitals, one nothing in the first. Flyers and Sabres are scoreless, and still to come tonight in Anaheim in the be bad for Bedard game. It's the Blue Jackets at the Ducks. That's your sports ticker. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, six twenty CKRM. And Pat Chat is brought to you by our friends at the Canadian Brew House. Head to the Canadian Brew House today for the best St. Patrick's Day party in town and enter to win a trip to Ireland. On Wednesday, the Pats beat the Brandon Wheat King 6-3 to end a four-game slide. Veteran forward Riley Janelle joined us on the post-game show and said, that was a big win. Yeah, it's massive. You know, we have so much skill and, on our team, and I think it's just knowing when to use it. Um, tight games, either when we're up 5-1 or... Or when it's 5-2, it's still sticking to our systems and how we should play the game. And, um, you know, there's a a time and place to to try everything. But when you're you're just trying to put one in the win column and and, uh, move on into playoffs, it's it's just playing the way your your team has to and secure a win. Uh, Some teams pay attention to the standing. Some teams do not. Uh, Nonetheless, though, does it feel like playoff-type hockey right now for, for you guys? Yeah, for sure. That's kind of the stride you want to be hitting here as we have you know, not, not too many games left. So um, if you're not playing playoff hockey now, it's <laughs> as you're kind of running out of time. So I think we, we really got to focus on that and, and start playing the right way as we, as we head into our, our playoff stretch here. And the Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. As you can hear in the background, they are practicing the national anthem ahead of this big game between the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. St. Patrick's Day could be messy on and off the ice. Wherever you're going tonight, make sure you take a, a cab or an Uber and not a cruiser, if you know what I mean. Joining me on the Western Pizza Hotline here on this Friday show for Nelson Holmes is Luke Molitor, our color commentator on the Rough Rider Radio Network. Uh, Luke, this week it was floated around, I think, by Dave Naylor that the league, the league should own. Maybe the league would take a, a, a team in Halifax and own it and run it until we could find a buyer. If if that's the case, that would be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I think that a professional sports team is not something a league wants to make an investment in. Right? Um, league infrastructure money should be going towards. Um, 
you know, the new engagement plans for fan bases, et cetera, et cetera, right? You, only, you don't want to be running a team. And I think that, you know, what we know about the, the East or the Eastern Seaboard, Atlantic Canada, is that there is energy there, right? So I think it's one of those things where when you do it, you don't want to do it because you, and rush it. If a team is owned by the CFL, they're going to jump at the first opportunity to get it off their hands because all the others, the governors, the other teams are going to want it off their books, right? And, you know, you, you, you then negate a process that should be something where you're really digging in deep. And I'm not saying they wouldn't dig in deep if the league owned it, but I, I am saying that they'd be in a rush to get it off. So, um, yeah, especially when you're looking at the runway it would take to, you know, create a team, get it sorted to the point where an owner wants to own the property. Um, that, that's a process. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that you can find a group of owners that would be a lot more passionate about building the, from the ground up and making something their own. And I think that there are people out there in Atlantic Canada that do that. I think that there's some, some deeper pockets, and I think that uh, it is possible, but it's not something you should rush, and I think that, that would end up rushing the process. This is Luke Molitor joining me on the Western Pizza Hotline with the great Canadian National Anthem being practiced in the background. Hey, speaking of Canadian, the nominees for this year's Canadian Football Hall of Fame are out. And uh, your buddy John Bowman's a first ballot Hall of Famer, now the uh, D-line coach for the BC Lions. Well-deserved for him. Oh, as, as he should be, man. Um, I only played one year with Bo, but uh, I, I got so much respect for the guy. He does everything right, um, and he did everything right. Um, he had the work ethic, uh, and more importantly, he, he was a leader of men. I watched him in that locker room um, hold court with some, some really young defensive linemen, um, and I knew as an older player that, that that was my role, too, to bring along somebody, but, but I, you didn't have to because Bo was that guy. He was, he was a leader in the locker room. He was a, he was a great teammate. And, uh, man, he was consistent, always brought it. Every year uh, of, of his playing career in the, in the CFL um, is a statistical um, win uh, for defensive ends. And, and I think that um, he should go down as one of the greats. And I'm really glad to see him be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And don't forget, Big Borky, right? Um, uh, uh, the, their left out. He was, a, he was a great player in his own right as well, Josh Bork. So, Two great Montreal Alouettes, uh, very great, great teammates as well. Uh, couldn't be happier for those guys. And of course, uh, Larry Crawford, former BC Lion uh, and a Toronto Argonaut, but most uh, mostly BC Lion defensive back. We had Lloyd Fairbanks, Stampeder, uh, offensive lineman going in there, and of course, uh, how about Solomon Elamimian? Uh, until this year, the best one-two tackling combination in a single season in the CFL. It was. Um, Adam Big Hill, Solomon Elamimian. This year, this past year, we had Sankey and Dean. But Solomon Elamimian really matured into a, a super linebacker. I think there was only, Luke, I saw John Hodge say, only 26 first ballot Hall of Famers ever in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame history. And these two guys, the guy you talked about, Bowman, and Solomon Elamimian are two of them. Yeah, and and again, uh, Solly, just like Bo, consistently great, right? Did everything right, locker room leader. 
um, and, and a great choice. And, and what looks to also be a great spokesman for the current players in the current generation on the business end of things, right? So I, I know that, you know, talking to some of the guys um, from the Riders last year and, and, and um, during Solly's sort of reign as a CFLPA rep and president, uh, I've heard nothing but good things. So, um, again, the, the difference between great and good is always consistency when you're a professional athlete. Bowman and Solly and even Josh Bork, man, those are three guys that, that lived, lived consistency. Uh, it's, uh, they're such great players and, and fantastic ambassadors for this game. Uh, Luke, what do you think of uh, the, the the you talked about consistent and uh, mature and a veteran guy? How about Larry Dean moving to the middle? How do you feel about that going into training camp? Well, I, I think that Larry Dean moving to the middle is is sort of a representation of what the riders are or or look like they're going to be this year. I think that the riders are going to be competitive but only if they get through the year healthy. And, and Dean's a good representation of that, right? Like he's going to start out in the middle. Everybody knows that, uh, you know, that he can produce as a tackler and a, and a, and a player, but um, what's behind Larry Dean in that middle, right? What's behind Micah Tights, right? Who, who's behind, who's behind uh, you know, Anthony Lanier and, and Micah Johnson this year? Right. What is what is the sixth offensive lineman going to look like? Right. Like, I think that that's the riders this year is is they've got a chance to be really competitive in the West. The West is going to be better because all the other teams in the West are going to get better. Um, But can they stay healthy? And unfortunately, right now, when you look at 2023 and then back on 2022 and and the trending you're seeing is that very rarely does a team get through a year completely healthy. Right. So. Um, that's, that's, that's what I look at. Like Larry Dean is going to be a great middle linebacker. I think he's going to produce there. I think he's, a, he's going to be good there, but you know, who's going to be there in the rider's depth across the board to take the place of a guy like Larry Dean, should he go down to injury? Because that's where I think the riders are really vulnerable this year. Uh, how about uh, the safety spot? That's the interesting one for me. What are they going to do in the anchor in that secondary? I know Jaden Dalkey did some great things. I know Shivers is uh, very high on Dalkey in terms of uh, taking another step this year. But just your your thoughts on the safety position? That'll be interesting. Uh, where does Lacombo fit into this whole thing? Yeah, and I think Dalkey and Lacombo. I think both of those guys could be in that spot. Um, I, I really like Dalkey's ability to catch on to the game. Um, uh, he wasn't just the guy that they subbed in at safety. I mean, he played in, in numerous spots throughout their injury scenarios in 2022. And you and I, I know, sitting there watching him, we were impressed um, by, by his abilities as such a young kid sort of being thrown and surrounded in there by veterans. So it'll be nice to see him. I think that he should get an opportunity to start at that safety spot. And I think Nelson Lacombo flashed some good things when he was playing as well, right? Um, and, and for a safety in the Canadian Football League, um, you know, just with, with lack of a better word, you can, you can really hide a safety in the Canadian Football League, right? Like, you can, get really, you can get really creative with a lot of the other positions in terms of, you know, showing coverage and stuff. But safeties, I mean, you're either going to bring them or you're not, right? So, so I think that it's a safe position to, to, to let a guy like Jaden Dalkey and Nelson Lacombo compete for, for the open spot, right? Because, again, 
um, you know, you're going to have to figure out, you know, like, because if you don't, if you say, okay, Dalkey and Nelson LeCompo are going to be depth guys, well, then who? Right? Because we, we've seen the riders have been very transparent with the guys that they're bringing in so far, right? There hasn't been a safety signing collegiately or, 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 or that we've signed in the offseason, right? So, I mean, it's looking like those are the, those are the first two guys that are going to get that crack. And I think Jaden Dalkey will be all right. Okay, so I got to bring you into this, all right, my friend. We'll get to NFL talk in a second, but I got to bring you into this. I'm getting into it online with people. Uh, the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's looking at banning fighting, something that I have said for a long time. Fighting should be taken out of the game of hockey. Listen, I'm not against contact sports. My son's playing college football down south. I'm a broadcaster for a professional football team. We're just talking about it, so I love contact in sports. I rent MMA. I've boxed four times, so I'm not a snowflake so to speak but i think you can't uh you can't preach player safety on one side and allow fighting in the game of hockey you you throw a punch at football you're gone throw a punch at baseball you're gone throw a punch at basketball you're gone why are you allowed to fight in hockey there are rules to combat stick work and stupidity you just have to call the rules how do you feel about fighting in hockey and more specifically fighting in junior hockey where the kids are 15 to 20 years old Well, I completely agree with you on this. Uh, and it's something that I, I would also argue uh, along with you because every sport has evolved. I mean, even darts have evolved, right? Like the darts are a lot more aerodynamic than they used to be 10 years ago. Um, for hockey to be hanging on to this fighting thing, when the rest of hockey has evolved, the sticks are like $7,000 right now, right? Because they're built <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. To, to, be, to shoot the puck faster. The equipment's lighter so the players can be faster, right? The helmets are safer. But we, yet we still have this notion that hot fighting needs to be part of a sport that's really involved. And I think that you start to see, you know, everybody talks about, like, the difference between the first and fourth liners, right, Baldy? Like, for me, you yeah. take out hockey, if you take out fighting in hockey, you're going to get a lot more quality from the third and fourth lines than you've ever seen because it now focuses on skill and speed. And I think that hockey is such a – and I played hockey. I, I was playing hockey when I was – and it was one of my favorite sports to play. But right now, when you look at it and the way sports have evolved in general – why would you have it? It's, it's, it's essentially, you're essentially wasting your time. I mean, guys get into fights like, man, why would we not want to see guys playing at a high level, an intense level, a fast, you know, because all the other stuff is geared towards efficiency right now with hockey. And, and, and fighting just slows everything down. Yeah. So I, 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 got, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I got this tweet. Somebody said, that's such a horrible take. That's like saying you need to take contact out of school football. Not the same no, thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. Hockey not. can still be, be incredibly aggressive. I'm not saying take the contact out of hockey, but I'm telling you right now, you, 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 are, you, you, can, you can level a guy at mid-ice who's got his head down, and it doesn't have to turn into a fight. Like, that's what hockey is right now, right? Some guy gets hit, and then some guy takes an exception and wants to fight because the other mm -hmm. guy threw a nice hit. I just finished watching a highlight reel of it. Like, this one dude, one of the best uh, hitters in the NHL right now, 
three of his highlight hits ended up with him having to actually defend himself physically. Why? Yeah. Because he threw a hit, take it out, you know, and I, I think if you take fighting out, it evolves into such a, 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 a more, and it's already a great product. But I, I totally agree with you, especially at a younger age, man. Let's let these kids, right? Let's let them play fast and free. Like if they're wandering around there and they're and they're and they're throwing their body weight around, they're it's going to be done a lot more. I, I think it just turns that aspect, the physical aspect of hockey, without the fighting. I think it actually turns it up because guys now start turning it loose. They don't have to worry about getting into a fight for throwing a clean hit, or they don't have to worry about throwing a dirty hit just to start a fight now, right? Yeah. Hey, lastly, man, uh, I'll let you go here. We'll talk NFL when you get back from your holiday, but what about March Madness? Have you ever been to a March Madness game? Do you watch this stuff? Because you went to MSU. Yeah, so, so, so today is the day that I actually wish that I was back on campus. Not only is Michigan State's campus probably one of the best schools in America for St. Patrick's Day, today was also our first day in the tournament where we won. And I, couldn't, um, I can't imagine how nuts it is on campus right now. Um, March Madness has started. St. Patrick's Day is such a – I don't know how St. Patrick's – like literally there's only one day in the world that turns everybody Irish. You know, like, and it's, <laughs> like, or everybody, like, there's no, like, if you had a Jamaican day, yeah. the whole world wouldn't be Jamaican and dressing up in dreads and, and you know what I mean? And running around. Yes, it's true. Like, it's true. Irish people have this thing where they turn the entire globe Irish and it's crazy. No other culture can do that. There's no, there's no tongue in day. Where you know what I mean? Where where? It's a good point. You know, know what? We should get the Irish to solve the world's problems. They probably could. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But it's a great, it's a great day to, to to let loose. And man, I can't imagine how fun campus is right now. I really get into March Madness, even even though I'm I'm a, I'm a little busy these days, and 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 so is everybody. So that's not an excuse. It's still great to watch these young men, you know, uh, play in a tournament that that's one of the best in the world. You know, and, and the emotion that goes into every single second of March Madness, all the way down to the final buzzer, um, is is just is, is everything that sports is about, man. And and it's such a joy to watch it when you have time. Luke, have a great weekend. Enjoy your holiday. Uh, you're going away for a bit, and we'll talk to you on the other side, okay? All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, man. That's Luke Muller, color commentator, former Rough Rider, uh, and a good friend of the show. When we come back, we'll hear from Braden Klamosko, coach of the North Battleford North Stars. The SJHL playoffs fire up tonight on four fronts. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Coming to you live from the Brand Center, getting set for the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors on this St. Patrick's Day. It's also the start of the SJHL playoffs. We're talking with the head coach of the Battleford Stars, Braden Klamosko. Braden, how are you today? Good, good, good. And yourself? Good. Uh, I'm doing well. Do you look good in green? Uh, I, I did back in the day, yes, when I was a Bronco, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, I guess, eh? Uh, yeah. All right, boy, you're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, hopefully with a win. Last night, check this out, last night I went and saw that movie Creed 3. It's a pretty good sports movie, I like it. Your favorite sports movie of all time is? Ooh, favorite sports movie. Let's Two of them I like. Um, Happy Gilmore 
remember the Titans. <laughs> quite a diverse, quite a polar opposite ends of the spectrum, totally. right? Right? Yes. right? And yeah, I'll yeah. see you in the parking lot. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Do you need to yeah, yeah. do you need to come up with one of those remember the Titans speeches for this series against Weyburn? You know what? I don't think so. I think I think it is important that um it is a new season, a new uh, new opportunity for both teams, and we're going to have to be ready. You know, I think overall that's that's the most exciting part is we haven't had this kind of pressure, you know, all, you know, the second half of the season. Looking forward to seeing how we respond. Yeah, so uh, I've often talked about that. Is it better to be, uh, you know, home and cooled away, as it were, being that good in the regular season that you know you got a playoff spot, you know you got first, or is it better to be like our Regina Pats here tonight, scraping and clawing for the last two, three, four weeks with uh, big uh, crowds trying to get into the playoffs so you're ready to hit the ground running? Uh, obviously, you can't change your path. You had a great year. Any concern on your behalf about that, though, trying to flip a switch and get ready to uh, play playoff hockey 100 percent. you know there is definitely uh you know a little bit of a concern but that's the cool part about it is ask me in a couple months if uh if we liked it my the path that i had or you know a path maybe what the paths would have to go through to uh to make a good run it'll uh it'll be exciting i'm looking forward to it so your uh, health of your team's pretty good though that probably affords it you it, it affords you some uh, chances to rest anybody if you had to right Totally. Yeah, no, it was, uh, we were, we were pretty healthy throughout the whole year. And that it, it, it's a testament to why we, we were where we were in the standings for sure. And they, they always say that about any sport, right? The team that uh, you got to be talented, but you got to be the healthiest too. And that's, you know, that's something you've probably tracked all year. Ooh, we're, this is going pretty good for us. It is. Yeah. It's almost scary because it was almost going too good. Like you're waiting for that time where guys go down, you know, in bunches. So hopefully that's not the case anytime soon. Are you a superstitious guy? Do you got to wear a certain tie, a certain suit, something yeah, like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty superstitious. So we don't want to get into all my superstitions. So there, there's lots of them. Well, give me one. Do you take the same path to the rink? Do you have to be there at the same time? Do you have to eat the same thing? Um, yeah, same path to the rink. Always put on my left shoe first. Um, it's actually a superstition that I have with my mom. My, it's my mom's birthday today, and um, she she doesn't come to any playoff games. So she she feels like she's a bad luck, and she she tries to stay away whenever she can. I could I could see a dad being bad luck, but not a mom. Yeah. A mom can't yeah, be bad luck, she, right? You know what? And she likes being at home where she can just listen and watch at home. That's the way to do it. It's It streams online. It's on the radio. Braden Klamasco here, the great coach of the uh, Battleford Stars, uh, the juggernaut team all year long. You think it's a good thing that your team, uh, I talked to the Weyburn coach and GM Cody Mapes. he got great respect for you, but I talked to him and he said, hey, uh, we lost to those guys two to one. So we have a belief. Is that good for your team too? Hey, we only beat those guys two to one. Yeah, you know what, it, it, it probably is. You know, I think overall, knowing that, hey, if we take them lightly, they, they're they going to be coming, you know, and when we know that, that they'll have a chance to win hockey games. So, you know what, you, you throw whatever, you know, whatever happened in the regular season out the window, it's 0-0, and, and that's the most exciting part. Is the town jumping? It is, yeah. There's excitement here for sure. And, you know what, it, yeah, it's kind of the first time it's been kind of jumping since – you know, COVID, you could say, you know, last year we were just getting out of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, restrictions and everything. But this year it seems a little bit different, which is exciting. Okay, so one question about them, one question about you. In order to uh, in order to contain the Red Wings, what do you got to do? I'll just play our game. You know, I, I think overall I, I, I don't 
I don't really stress too much on what other teams do. I, I worry about ourselves. We've got to worry about us, and we do that, we'll be okay. So what do you mean by that, then? What What's your game for people that don't watch or listen to, uh, to <laughs> Battleford Stars hockey? Dictate the pace. You know, we want to play, you know, fast, physical style of hockey. And when we play north-south hockey, where we're moving pucks up quick and playing fast, people have a rough time keeping up with us. All right, man. Well, uh, congratulations on a great season. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys can do in the playoffs. And happy birthday to your mom. What's her name? Uh, Shelly. Happy birthday, Shelly. And uh, you, you got yourself a good son here and uh, a superstitious son. I wonder if it was her fault you're superstitious. Sounds like kind of a, a kind of a bit it was, but uh, happy birthday to her. Take care, my friend. Awesome. Thank, thank you. Take care. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.